with the scent of potpourri. Films to commit to memory. Crossing the felt ropes, watching from home on my TV, looking at all my eyes can't see. They tell me I view obsessively. Hello and welcome to the Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, and while every episode will always be free, if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and so much more. It's an exhausting <laughs> again that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer i actually just i'm in the process of doing my uh, dark episode by episode reviews and then i'm also doubling up and doing episode reviews of for all mankind that just launched today that is going to hopefully be every monday wednesday and friday until the end of the year if I can keep that up. So uh, check that out, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media and letterboxd at obsessive viewer. And today on the show, we're going to be reviewing two, <laughs> I forgot I put this in my notes. We're going to be reviewing two spooktacular Shocktober new releases. <laughs> Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the conclusion of David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy, Halloween Ends, which is currently in theaters and streaming on Peacock, and the latest entry in the VHS... Uh, uh, found footage anthology franchise, VHS 99, which is currently streaming on Shudder. And joining me today to help me review these two movies and keep me in line are two of my IFJA colleagues and friends... Uh, both returning guests to the podcast, we have Joe Shearer, whose uh, work can be found on Midwest Film Journal and frequently on Medium Cool, a movie podcast, and Brent Luthold of AwakenTheDark.com and the Awake in the Dark podcast. How is it going, you guys? And welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. Doing great. I just realized I forgot to do orange lights in this room. <laughs> maybe i can change i actually might be able to change the lights nice in in, in before we even get to halloween ends i'll see nice You're ruining well. the podcast. Yes. <laughs> i know with these just boring right, <laughs> random you're ruining the spook spooktacular shocktober, shocktober. vibes <laughs> that i have established on this episode i'm, yeah. I'm gonna have a um kind of like grainy like tracking effect on my video here and then there's gonna nice. be like a monster pop up behind me all of a sudden so nice and then, I like and then it's it. gonna be there's gonna be like a shaky cam sort of thing <laughs> nice so. and Good. then i will just disappear from the podcast and someone else will host it for the majority until <laughs> the finer final showdown with me hosting the podcast at the end um so <laughs> uh so yeah so welcome guys uh yeah why don't you why don't we go ahead and give your guys social media stuff and like what have you guys been up to lately and and what kind of stuff have you posted in the internets um recently go ahead brent you go first oh my gosh <laughs> thank you uh i am uh pretty much all my stuff can be found at uh, awakenthedark.com uh, i'm awake in the dark on letterboxd uh, Awaken the Dark reviews on Facebook and I A I T T reviews <laughs> on Twitter. 
Uh, if you can't tell, I did not get <laughs> I did not get uh, in early enough on the social media game, so I have some scattered stuff there. Um, I just posted a review today for uh, Black Adam, which is the mm-hmm. new uh, DCEU movie, um, which I didn't like, but I still think I liked <laughs> more than most of the other people in the IFJ who have seen it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Evan and, the... Evan and Andy, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, yeah, yeah Evan and Andy had some pretty uh, scathing yeah. takes on it. Mm, uh, yeah. I didn't think it really worked, but I, uh, anyway, I think I maybe liked it a little more than them, but I, you know, it didn't make me mad. <laughs> so they they liked uh, it less than a, than a kick to the groin. So, yes, you know, it doesn't really yes. matter anyway. Did yeah. it completely change the trajectory or whatever it is that he keeps saying about it? <laughs> the hierarchy is yeah, the hierarchy is, yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't answer that question, which is for as much as that was hyped, there is a mid-credit. I won't, of course, spoil mm-hmm. anything. There's like a mid-credit sequence that like maybe sort of alludes to that. Okay. But the rest of the movie, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> let's say he's he's very powerful. Like, mm-hmm. and he flings humans around, and the people that he fights in the movie, like Justice Society of America, and like people that he fights, um, he seems to generally do pretty well against. Um, but I don't know wh- whether it's a hierarchy <laughs> movie, uh, changing movie, I, I, I just can't say. It's up to Dwayne. I'll leave it up to Dwayne. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. So, um, all right. So, you can find me on Facebook or. Uh, I don't know. I'm on Twitter. I don't ever get on Twitter, but um, uh, Letterboxd also. I'm just Joe Shear on, on Letterboxd. It's S-H-E-A-R-E-R. Everybody gets it wrong, so just look in the notes, I guess. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> don't spell it wrong. Um, yeah, um, I, yeah, I've been uh, writing some stuff for the uh, Midwest Film Journal this month. I've, I've been on Medium Cool a couple times already mm-hmm. uh, this month, too, so... Uh, it's been kind of a it's been kind of a busy month, so nice. um, I, I'm pretty excited about a couple of things um, I've got coming up uh, for uh, Midwest Film Journal, uh, including my No Sleep October entry, which will be nice. um, on Stephen King's Silver Bullet, oh, which nice. is a movie I I loved as a kid, but I kind of forgot about it, <laughs> and I recently ran across it, and I was like, oh man, I love that movie. Rewatched it and decided to write something about it, so. Um, yeah, so check that out on I believe on Halloween Day. So Ooh, nice. Oh, nice! That's uh that's prime prime real estate right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the front parking spot of the of the parking lot. You know, yeah. nice. Um, that's great. And uh, yeah, yeah, I have not seen Silver Bullet or read Cycle of the Werewolf, which I believe is what mm-hmm. it's adapted from. Um, yeah. but it's on the list, obviously, because I've I've got Stephen King stuff I've got to do forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he it's it's sort of a forgotten entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not great, but it's pretty good. If you okay. you know, it's it's one that's easy. It kind of you know, it's it's got it stars Corey Haim kind of in the is geez, like just before he breaks out in Lucas. Oh, wow. and uh Gary Busey is in it being Gary Busey, and <laughs> it's really he's really great in it. And um, you know, there there's a couple of nice recognizable character actors from you know, especially from the 80s. Nice. And it's uh, yeah. It's it's a it, honestly, it's a pretty good time. Um, it, it's sort of uh, you know, I, I don't want to spoil too much about you know my what I wrote, but essentially the the direction kind of betrayed the movie. Um, okay. I I did I did note the poster. If you look at the movie poster, it talks about how like 
one night a month or it started in may and once and once a month the werewolf kills again but if you watch <laughs> the movie there's no indic- it's just like there's a kill and then they talk for a minute and then it's night and there's another kill and then it's not it's like it seems like this is happening daily if you're just they don't the pan movie. over to a calendar to show you <laughs> right? there's no like yeah there's no like passage of time it's yeah. just like one night after the next and then, nice know, <laughs> like why aren't these people a little more alarmed by all these murders suddenly happening right <laughs> nice um and brent did you do anything or have you done anything for uh midwest film journals no sleep october yeah so i had black adam on uh, dwayne <laughs> johnson it's just been filling my head the past few days that i <laughs> yeah. forgot about my uh, midwest film journal uh <laughs> entries i did do uh west Craven's new nightmare uh, uh for the recurring nightmare series mm-hmm. uh that they yeah. did over there which is um uh i guess winding down well not really it'll be going through the end of the month uh so that that was that came out last week last friday i think and then yeah i have one for uh no sleep october uh i wrote about uh goodnight mommy which is a uh uh, an austrian horror movie that came out in 2015 was just recently uh the the american remake was just released on prime last Mm -hmm. month uh which i didn't really plan that exactly um i knew that there was a remake coming out at some point when i uh chosen good night mommy but i didn't know that the time would be quite that close so uh nice. so it's cool i loved uh revisiting i love that movie i know uh people are maybe a little sort of maybe mixed i think generally people like quite a bit but i'm mm. uh, definitely a fan so it was a lot of fun to write about nice nice i, I also did um freddie versus jason for that oh sweet um, that oh okay so yep. um it's not i don't think it's posted yet but I, I actually just like tried to google it because i didn't hear you know i hadn't heard from Oh, from yeah. them whether it was live or not and and i found mitch had one a year ago when when they were doing friday the 13th so hmm. uh, it'd be fun to i have a, i have not read uh mitch ringenberg's posts uh on that so it'd be fun to to read that and see what he says compared to me nice joe versus mitch yep yeah. Real showdown. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um for me i'll, I'll be carrying I... my head at the end walking <laughs> yes. out of the lake <laughs> Uh, for me, I contributed to Midwest Film Journal's uh, No Sleep October with an essay about the Clove Hitch Killer, which posted, I think it was actually the first uh, No Sleep October um, essay this 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 go around at Midwest Film Journal. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'll put links to all that in the show notes here um, and links to all the, your social media as well. Um, as well as microphone information, cause I'm insane, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, before, before we started, Mitch, uh, Brent and, and Matt spent a good 10 minutes talking about microphones. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell any of this means. <laughs> Joe, I want to know what I have to ask. What microphone uh, are you using? Jesus, I don't even know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a toner. I got it on Amazon. It was like 30 bucks or something. <laughs> Nice. No, yeah. actually, um, you know, my my friend Austin Glidden mm-hmm. um, kind of coached me through it. He was like, this is like a decent budget microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what like the, you know, what model it is or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, it's uh, it, it served me pretty well. Um, nice. You know, and he was like, yeah, just make sure you like put the, the little filter thing close to it and talk right next to it. So <laughs> you sound <laughs> wonderful. Yes, it sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Brent, what are you using tonight? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this is an earthworks icon pro nice 
<laughs> Very nice. And I've uh, used uh, other stuff, and mm-hmm. I don't know why I cycle through podcast mics because they're all <laughs> wonderful. Yes, <laughs> but, I'm kind of the same way. I have like my my table that I have has the RE20, which is what I'm recording into. Compliments of Brent. Um, <laughs> and then I have my pod mic and my SM58, and then in my bedroom I have the exact same setup, only with the Rodecaster Pro One because I'm insane. But yeah, um, so. Uh, okay. So <laughs> without further ado, actually, before I, before we get into our actual reviews and everything, I wanted to get your guys's takes on the, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumanium trailer that dropped today. Um, how did you guys feel about this trailer and are, what's your excitement level for Ant-Man and the Wasp or Ant-Man mm-hmm. 3 basically, um, in February? Yeah. What what great world we live in where there's a third Ant Man movie coming out? <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm older than both of you guys, and I remember mm-hmm. when you know I I, I made a, a very quick post about it this morning <laughs> about how, um, you know, superhero movies when I was a kid were like really like off limits. I mean, Superman mm-hmm. was really it, and you know, I, I always dreamed about seeing Spider Man and you know seeing all these you know heroes from from you know, from the cartoons, it's like, why couldn't they make movies about that? And, <laughs> and it, it's just great now that we've, we're at the point where there's a third Ant-Man movie and it looks <laughs> great. I think, um, oh, yeah. it, you know, it's, um, it, it's kind of continuing that theme of, of the, what is it? What are we in phase four? Um, yeah, I think four. this will technically be the start of phase five. Five. So, yeah. So <laughs> it'll, it'll continue the, you know, the, this accidental opening of, portals by the looks of the trailer they mm-hmm. gave away a kind of a surprising amount we got a yeah. pretty solid look at, at king the conqueror and um you know there's um you know we see michelle pfeiffer and, and michael douglas of course coming back as mm-hmm. as him and janet van dyne and um some some weird things we got a, a shot of the bill murray uh, appearance yeah um so there's yeah they they kind of gave a lot away i, I was kind of surprised but uh, but mm-hmm. then again maybe they didn't give much away so right um yeah, I but I I always get excited about the, the next Marvel movie and mm-hmm. um I, I'm glad that you know this one's coming out to kind of up the stakes from what they're saying. Finally we get some action. It kind of feels like that's a <laughs> continuing continuing theme where we're like, mm-hmm. geez, when is this gonna happen? And it's like, whoa, well, finally. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Brent, how about you? Um, I actually didn't get a chance to watch the trailer. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this was one actually um didn't this like sort of kind of leak at some thing where they played it here? Yeah. Or something. There was like a, I think Comic-Con or D23 like exclusive trailer that yeah. I'll be honest. Like I saw the leaked version of it and it, it looked better than this in terms of just the structure of the trailer and everything. Yeah. Uh, Cause there was a lot more Kang in it. And I am like, I am, I'm just so on board with, uh with uh Jonathan Majors as Kang. Um even as someone who I like I don't I haven't read like the comics or I don't come from a comic background or anything, but I really enjoy the MCU and I have this feeling that like everything that they've done post Infinity War and Endgame, um the the start of the multiverse saga has been it's been kind of hit or miss all, all told with the individual entries and everything, but what they're doing to build up the multiverse and build up Kang is really appealing to me because I feel like they are really positioning him to be a 
better and more fleshed out um fleshed out villain uh throughout the two or three phases of the saga than Thanos was because Thanos didn't really have much going on until Infinity War, which was mm. incredible. But I just love that, like they're showing us Kang, they're doing Kang stuff <laughs> um, this early. Yeah. Uh, really cool stuff. So yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't see yeah. So like the new trailer, I I don't even think I watched the fully leaked one because I mm-hmm. generally don't like watching stuff where it's like the you know phone cam yeah. at the very side and it's like too big but anyway. yeah um dude but, flipping yeah, the camera I, around to his face yeah. and yelling world star yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go um but uh <laughs> but yeah like i i agree with you about um jonathan majors i did so i watched loki and i know that he was he who remains in the mm-hmm. very last episode of that and then there was a statue of him. And then I, so I somehow I'm supposed to know his name is Kang the Conqueror. <laughs> I, at some point, I don't know where that happened. But but having said all that, um, I'm a huge Jonathan Majors fan. Um, going back to, I think the, the, one of the first things I saw him in was uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then oh. like The Five Bloods. And, um, you know, I've just seen him a lot recently. He has a movie coming out called Devotion, which... Um, played before black mm. adam which has glenn powell in it and there's a it, that's about fighter pilots so there's a <laughs> lot of like top gun maverick uh vibes but i mm. did see uh, another trailer i did see that he's in is uh creed 3 oh uh, yes which, uh, that was that also played before uh black adam and that that's an awesome trailer too that looks great i'm super mm-hmm. pumped for that so uh yeah definitely uh definitely stoked for anything jonathan majors so yeah that that includes quantum mania then uh then then nice. that sounds good to me. Yeah. And bring <laughs> I'm it not on. a huge fan of the, both of the Ant-Man movies so far, mm-hmm. but you know, it will, I mean, I like Paul Rudd. They, they, yeah. There's, there's certainly, I mean, I'll of course see quantum mania. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 To Joe's point about the fact that there's now three Ant-Man movies and it being insane is that yeah. it's also kind of insane to me that, well, I mean, maybe not too insane because, marvel and like the whole marvel machine and everything but it's just interesting to me that not only do we have three ant-man movies but we have three ant-man movies from the same director from peyton reed yeah especially when ant-man was originally going to be in edgar wright like his his baby and then he left and and i don't know it's just it's amazing that they were even that they were even able to salvage that first one or put something out that was entertaining yeah, uh, to fit well, into and, it, so, yeah. and Peyton Reed was going to do the Fantastic Four years ago, also before oh, I didn't Tim know Story that. came in and did such a bang up job on him. <laughs> yeah, with uh, was that Fantastic? <laughs> that was no, that was the one with um, with Chris Evans. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Storm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the first one. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Jessica Alba. And, mm-hmm. You know, and Fantastic was, was um. Yeah, that was Josh uh, Trank. Josh Trank. Right, I'm trying Josh to remember Trank. his name. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that was a new reminder. It rhymed with stank. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did rhyme with stank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Just a coincidence, Jesus. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, a lot of fun stuff coming down the pike in terms of movies and stuff. But tonight, we are going to be talking about two 
feature length uh, films, motion pictures, they're called, uh, that are currently available to stream and one is in theaters. So first I want to talk about Halloween ends. And uh, as we like to do here, we'll do a non-spoiler review and then we'll play a clip from the trailer and then go into a spoiler review. Check the show notes for timestamps and also check the you can get the timestamps at uh, obsessiveviewer.com slash OV385, where you can find all the show notes and links and all that stuff. But let's talk about Halloween Ends. Um, like I said, it's currently in theaters, streaming on Peacock. The uh, premise is, uh, according to IMDb, the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode comes to a spine-chilling climax in the final installment of this trilogy, uh, directed by David Gordon Green. Uh, written by Paul Brad Logan, uh, Chris Bernier, Bernier uh, Danny McBride, and David Gordon Green. Uh, of course, it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy uh, Mati. Uh, oh my God, I can't remember, remember how to pronounce her last name. Matichak. Uh, Matichak, I think it's how it's I think. There we go. Um, James Jude Courtney and Rohan Campbell. So, guys, how did you guys feel about Halloween and Halloween Kills, and then? What did you think in broad terms about Halloween ends? Uh, Joe, do you want to get us kicked off? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm a long time Halloween fan. I, mm-hmm. I will unapologetically watch, you know, any of them whenever they're on. Um, it, even, you know, Halloween Resurrection, even Halloween 5. I, I mm-hmm. kind of gleefully hate watch Halloween 5 every year, but not really hate <laughs> watch it because I kind of secretly <laughs> like it. Um <laughs> So I, I was, you know, when, when I heard David Gordon Green was taking over, you know, for the 2018 version, I was kind of surprised and wondered, mm-hmm. you know, curious, obviously, like a lot of people. Um, I was a big fan of it, um, both it and Halloween Kills. Um, I, I love the, especially in these, these last two, this is a, an attempt, I think, to kind of um, throw a little social commentary in. And mm-hmm. I'm very down with that, I think, is uh as it goes and, and you know we'll we'll get into it uh a little bit more later i'm sure but um i i really love it um you know there's there's some flaws um but my god you know you go back on this series and the, the flaws are are out there and evident so yeah uh, i'm ready to overlook quite a bit and and uh you know i, I overlook a little bit here but um <laughs> i i was a big fan of those first two uh just just on the whole and and it was a lot of fun more fun this time to see kind of in a more mainstream way people excited about seeing them so nice. um I, I was pretty um pretty heartened by by uh, halloween 2018 and, and halloween kills nice nice brent how did you come to this conclusion uh concluding chapter of the trilogy how did you feel about halloween and halloween kills um in terms of the halloween series uh i've seen the first three which is the same, you know, the original like 78 and 81 or whatever. And then, uh, season of the witch, of course. And Mm -hmm. then like, I haven't seen four and five. I haven't seen, uh, resurrection, uh, or no, I think I've seen resurrection and not H2O. Oh, that was the 20th one, right? 20th anniversary one. Anyway, I didn't see that. I haven't seen the Rob zombie ones, which I know are not canon to Mm. this, but just, um, just generally the franchise. Uh, In terms of uh yeah, 2018 Halloween and uh and kills, I'm I'm pretty mixed on them. I'm I'm like some I guess I'm I don't want to say I'm like slasher agnostic. There's definitely slasher mm-hmm. movies that I like, but I think I'm a little I think I even came into 2018 Halloween a little bit sort of like 
because that i mean 2018 halloween is basically kind of a, a c-boot it's kind of a, a sequel reboot it's a 40 years later yeah i think it jumps all of i think this is right canonically it jumps all of the other ones yes um yeah. except Everything season of the is... witch because there are season of the witch masks in 2018 <laughs> halloween. uh so that's still canon somewhere out there is the uh the shamrock yeah mm-hmm. the, the I'll, I'll anyway yeah <laughs> um but uh so yeah i yeah, I I was ready. For, you know, I, I was curious, like what they were going to do, with Jamie Lee Curtis and everything, mm-hmm. and her her kind of coming back to it. Um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm just a bit cooler on them. I don't, okay. and, and I and we'll talk about kills and mm-hmm. and yeah, th- there is definitely you know some um, social and political commentary that they're going for with kills, um, maybe with ends too. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk about that, but. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a little I might be the the wet blanket, <laughs> but, but that's okay. <laughs> that's totally fine. Um, yeah. My kind of I I have kind of an not interesting history with the Halloween franchise as a whole, but I I remember in 2014, uh, Shout Factory or Scream Factory came out with that amazing box set, like the Halloween box set with all of them in it, and I remember like spending. Spending like most of that October just going through each each movie, each disc, each bonus feature, each commentary track, and I wrote up this whole big thing on on the website and everything. Um, and so I like I was like I was very much um, taken with the taken with the Holly Halloween lore and everything, and I had wa- I loved uh, Halloween, uh, of course, nineteen seventy eight. Like that movie is absolutely just mm-hmm. slasher perfection in my eyes mm-hmm. yeah. um and i even really liked the sequel hated season of the witch um <laughs> and then <laughs> and then four five and six is its own little interesting thing mm-hmm. the cult of thorn trilogy yeah. i guess uh it's fine but i was really into because of my because of my history and <laughs> listeners will know because I talk about this all the time, but like my favorite movie growing up was Scream and Halloween, uh, Halloween H2O when that came out, came out, that was basically like Scream with Michael mm-hmm. Myers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And I just adored it and everything. So that like that run of movies was really fun. And then when Rob Zombie, when I, when I got to Rob Zombie's movies, I was just like checked out, hated, like I did not like oh. I just, I don't like his style at all. <laughs> like it's just yeah, not for me. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that just eats at my mind is that he, uh, in one of my big complaints with his Halloween movies was that the dialogue is just absolutely just garbage, dumb, atrocious <laughs> BS. Mm-hmm. And like I remember listening to his commentary track and him him like addressing that and being like, "Well, that's how teenagers talk." I'm like, okay, yeah, that that is, but that's not how screenwriters write. <laughs> like, you know, you have to have something there. <laughs> but yeah. I, yeah, I, I but do. Yeah. I do. I want to let me amend my comment enough to say mm. I I also do hate the Rob Zombie Halloween. Okay, nice. Um, I, I actually did an inter, a roundtable interview with Rob Zombie oh, for wow. the first Halloween, and I was so excited about it. Mm-hmm. And he, um, and he very emphatically during that interview said. I designed this movie to not have a sequel. <laughs> I will not participate in the making of a sequel to this movie. Wow. I don't like wow. sequels. 
I don't want to make one. <laughs> if they ask me, I'm going to say no. Like that was a quote. Like, I, I mean, that was almost like word for word what he said. That's kind of burned quote. in my head. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I just remember that I was like, bullshit is what I was thinking. You know, <laughs> and sure enough, it came through and I was like, that son of a bitch is a lying ass liar. <laughs> yeah. And I was, and I've just told everybody I can. I'm like, he lied his ass off. <laughs> I got no justification, you know, from anybody. Like, I never saw any interviews or anything later where he, yeah. was, like, he was like, oh, well, I wasn't going to, but. I was contractually yeah. obligated. Yeah. Yo, like, isn't it true that in the Halloween two presser, he said, okay, oh. fine. You got me. I'm doing the sequel, but I'm <laughs> never doing a freaking monsters movie. <laughs> and then, exactly and then we come to see what happened. <laughs> right. He just lies his ass off. Yeah. Yep. I will not do anything yeah. based on a 60s sitcom. <laughs> ever, ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did not like his movies. <laughs> um, yeah. But this trilogy from David Gordon Green, um, I was kind of like I was I was impressed with Halloween 2018. I thought it was I thought it was good. It wasn't really until my second viewing of it, in which plug for the Patreon, I recorded a commentary track with uh our friend Mike, who has the band as good as it gets, who does the theme song for this show, uh a little mad sometimes. Uh they also actually just have a new single out called History. Check it out. But anyway, um and then Halloween Kills came out, and that is it's so interesting how this trilogy is basically David Gordon Green doing like like slowly getting us it's like it's like a three act play where each act is just going deeper and deeper into like where you don't expect it. Uh, that's not an eloquent mm-hmm. way to bring it up or to talk about it, but <laughs> uh but like Halloween Kills was so interesting to me and I initially didn't really like some of the aspects of it like the whole evil dies tonight thing. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I and then I kind of um warmed up to it and then a weird thing happened when I watched Halloween Ends that it retroactively made me appreciate Halloween Kills more and by the end of Halloween Ends I think it is I think it is arguably the weakest of the trilogy but as a whole connective piece of the entire trilogy kind of all put together I like and this is this is a this is admittedly a pretty low bar to 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 top but it is like the best run of halloween movies in the franchise because it's it it says something so interesting about haddonfield about uh about the nature of evil um and it just does it in such a a very just crazy way that it's it's very much his own unique vision and as but like it's the inverse of Rob Zombie's Halloweens, where those were his vision, but his vision is shitty as fuck. But um, right. <laughs> but this is just such a clear and interesting take, and the kills in really all three of them are just audaciously great. And I think that like in particular, I think Halloween Halloween Kills is like a perfect slasher movie for me, like in terms of the variety of kills, the gruesomeness of the kills, the, the, again, the variety of kills, like it is the tension, the mood. It's, it's so good. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, let's talk about Halloween ends. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So non-spoilers, what, what what do we want to talk about first? Um, in terms of, Halloween ends the the movie as a whole. Well, um, 
do we want to talk about Corey Cunningham? Is it is that we want to save that for spoilers, or do we want to? I guess we we, get, we have to talk about him to some extent. We but. do, yeah. Let's talk yeah. about him in a broad sense, and then we can dig into him in uh in yeah. in spoilers. I have a theory yeah. about him or about about his name in particular, but I don't I don't know. It's probably I, I think I might have a, I might share that nice with you. nice as far as as far as the yeah the uh, the inspiration for his name. It, yeah, it's, it's a very there's a very <laughs> obvious um, uh, parallel with with uh, a famous another famous Cunningham. That, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, I thought this that was the first thing I thought when I heard that name. I was like, oh, I know. Oh, nice. What they're doing with that. Um, but yeah, it, it's you know you talk about the audacious choice, and that, I think that's the biggest of of the you know the most. Well, maybe not even the biggest, honestly, but the one that sticks out the most is, you know, that they follow this brand new character around who's, mm-hmm. you know, who's this kid who um, was accused of, of, well, well, we see, we see the alleged crime right at the yeah. beginning as the opening scene where a, a child that he's babysitting um, dies under his care. Um, and he's, you know, he's blamed and is something of an outcast. And, um, and then he meets up with, with the Strodes, the, the erstwhile Strodes who are now mm-hmm. trying to put things behind them, um, you know, in, in the wake of uh, uh, the wonderful Judy Greer dying in the, the end of Halloween kills. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it's an interesting choice. And I, I think, I feel like it on the whole that works, uh, you know, for, to what David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and the other writers want to do. Um, it, I think it catches people off guard um and you know and it it leads to a to a friday the 13th part five sort of vibe and i think that's okay that people um want to compare it to that movie but mm-hmm. um i think it does it so much better it does it does well it does what what halloween ends does it does so much better than anything that movie would have done anyway um even though that's one of my favorite friday the 13th um i'm mm-hmm. one of the few people who would say that but um <laughs> But there's there's something to it, um, and and I think that's uh, again where we get to the larger societal message. Uh, and I, I was I was really into it. I was I was there on board for it. Um, again, there's a couple of mistakes along the way. There's a couple of questions that are left unanswered. But uh, I think this storyline works, um, and it, it ended up being pretty satisfying to me in in a in a place in a movie. I mean, and if you look at it, I mean, this movie has been made. A, you know umpteen times i mean yeah. you know we, we're ending uh the you know the the rivalry between laurie strode and michael myers i mean we've had that this is the third time we've mm-hmm. you know re, you know honestly had that um if, if you count halloween resurrection as you know yeah. the, the abomination that it is but <laughs> yeah um it, it's I, I don't know it it works very well for me it it's not it's not just a knockdown drag out, you know, Freddy versus Jason style. If you can forgive mm-hmm. me for bringing that back out, uh, <laughs> it's not that sort of thing. It's, it's more of a, a, a examination of trauma and grief. And, you know, I, I don't know, put, you know, uh, putting things, you know, putting things in the past or, or, mm-hmm. you know, the, as, as Paul Thomas Anderson once opined that, you know, the past may be, we may be through with the past, but the past <laughs> is not through with us. Yes. So, uh, you know, all, all of that is, is kind of what these three movies are about. And, and I think this is a pretty satisfying conclusion to it. Nice. Brent, how did you find Halloween ends? Um, I kind of went into it not knowing exactly where they were going to start the story. 
because um well we I, we can do spoilers for the end of kills, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that came out last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they kind of leave it a cliffhanger as to whether Lori's uh, daughter, played by Judy Greer, mm -hmm. is going to. I mean, yeah, it seems like she's probably going to get it, but like yeah, we don't really yeah. see it, and so um, that's kind of where they end things there on kills, <laughs> and then yeah. with ends, they started with this, you know, with this prologue with uh, Corey Cunningham this character where we have met and I was just mm -hmm. kind of interested in then of course, uh, you know, they do the credits and everything. And then, you know, Lori's kind of doing the, the, uh, voiceover and some exposition and basically saying, you know, it's been four years. I think she said since yeah. that night. And then, mm -hmm. um, so I, I, again, that was, I thought kind of a, an interesting choice, like right off. Like I didn't know because, um, I'm trying to think cause kills started right after, Halloween 2018, I yeah. think. It's like the same night. Yep. Uh, yes. So the chronology is kind of interesting that way where it's like you have two movies chronologically like in terms of in the movie like basically back to back and then you have this one that's kind of four years uh, later. So uh, so I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. Um, I guess we'll get into it in spoilers. Corey is a, a big part of the movie. I actually liked his... One of the things I actually ended up liking about... And this is like super lame for a... Uh, <laughs> For a slasher movie, but one of the things I probably liked the most was uh, Corey's relationship with with Allison in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if Kills was uh, Evil Dies Tonight, uh, this movie is more like Love Blossoms Tonight. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, it's it's kind of like a sweet romance that they have that is kind of down to what you were saying about like Haddonfield and how this is kind mm -hmm. of just like a pretty shitty town that they wish yeah. they could kind of just burn down and that's kind of what um they kind of commiserate in that and mm -hmm. i uh i i like that I, I i sort of like their uh them kind of finding the connection through that um allison was in the previous two movies she was in halloween halloween 2018 and kills but yeah. like not a ton actually she mm -hmm. wasn't really in kills very much at all i don't Thing yeah, or was she really? She was kind of just going along with uh, yeah, with her boyfriend and, and Lonnie yeah. throughout the movie. Yes. I want to say yeah. she was in Halloween 2018, maybe even a little more than Kills, but regardless, mm. she's in this one, yeah. um, probably the most of the three, and it was yeah. it was just cool to uh, to see her. There's uh, some pretty gnarly kills in this, mm -hmm. uh, for sure, which we'll talk about. I think the conclusion's pretty satisfying, and I think, I mean, I, I'm not a huge, like, like, I haven't seen every single Halloween movie, I'm not, like, huge on slashers, but I, if I'm taking a step back, and for the people that really um, vibe with this franchise and this series, I mean, I would imagine this is probably a pretty satisfying conclusion, mm -hmm. um, so, and of course, we'll talk about the specifics of that, but yeah. um, I, I think it, I think it probably hits all those beats, I just... I rank these all pretty consistent. I don't, mm -hmm. I've just, they, they didn't, they don't really do that much for me because, um, as opposed to something like a, a nightmare on Elm street, I mean, Freddy Krueger is, you know, he has, you know, a lot of personality. Uh, he has like a really wicked sense of humor. The kills that come up with <laughs> that are, are really unique because they're not bound to the real, world of course mm -hmm. uh he says bitch a lot so you know there, there's things with uh you know with with like those movies just for instance even within the realm of slasher movies 
um, where I respond to it a, a little more, um, really than even like Friday the 13th or mm-hmm. Halloween. Not that I'm saying they're totally, you know, again, the first Halloween film is, you know, unimpeachable as you guys oh, yeah. have mentioned. So, yeah. um, and the second one I like a lot, I was actually interested watching kills and I mentioned that in my review, how much kills mirrors Halloween too. Uh, that yeah. is the yeah. 81 Halloween two, not Rob zombies. Halloween right. Two. Uh, <laughs> that's the whole other thing. Like Rob zombie kind of like, it's like he only made two of them and then there's like an already in it. There's already two yeah. other movies of Halloween. Halloween yeah. <laughs> if he if made one and, and like stopped and right. And it would be it would be one thing to be like, oh, there's three movies called Halloween. Yeah, sure. it's like it'd be like okay, but he made he made a Halloween two, a Halloween just, two, right? The whole deal, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now now there's multiple. We can we have to explain two things now. So yeah. right, uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Rob. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh, so yeah, I one well, thing I'll actually well I guess I'll say, I'll, I'll say I'll say generally about the trilogy. I think I'm naming mm-hmm. mainly positive things. I, I actually am not joking when I say this. I really like the, well, this would be a joke, but I like the way they planned this trilogy. Mm-hmm. But I really like that all three of these movies came out in October. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that Kills and Ends came out on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Now, when in 2018, when Halloween came out, NBC was still, <laughs> the office was still on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and NBC <laughs> says, streaming services are hauled. And then in the 2020s, they're like, uh, yeah, they're hard, but we're going to figure it out because we're losing a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, I like that. And even that 2018 Halloween made, I think, pretty good amount of bank. And I know these oh, yeah. kills and ends uh, have, have done respectable at the box office as well. Having the day and date with Peacock is an experiment. Of course, they're trying. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I like that all of these came out like in October, right in the spooky season and stuff. Yeah. I And Kills came out in 2021. This one they're doing a year later. That took mm-hmm. some planning, of course, for them to shoot them back to back and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But uh, I just for these, it's such like a, when you have something that's seasonal like that, that it's that's yeah. I think timing really matters. So um I'm not sure who all at Universal was responsible for that, but uh, kudos to them because I, I think it's neat to have, you know, something new and fresh come out, especially if you're oh, a Halloween yeah. fan. But I think even if you're not, even if you're just more of a casual fan, um, you know, you can check these out and mm-hmm. uh, you have a mm-hmm. good time. Yeah, I think that the original Halloween is so ubiquitous and everything that you can go into this trilogy and just. Uh, you can understand like it's it's very it's it's a very good entry point for it um but it's interesting too like it kind of these last like couple of years now with kills and ends in in october and then in 2018 halloween and october as well it just kind of on a very small scale and we'll even probably talk about this more with vhs 99 but like it kind of it feels like it's harkens back to, you know, that long time ago when like um, a few years ago, basically, when we would get like yearly Saw movies or yearly paranormal activity movies. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Conjuring, but uh, those were at least around like October and everything. And it's just kind of nice mm-hmm. to have like that kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. And to have it planned out as a trilogy is really satisfying. And like I said, the way the places that this that this trilogy as a whole goes and the way that it ends up and Halloween ends is pretty, pretty significant for me as a mark of of (laughs) I'm not going to say elevated horror, but (laughs) of, (laughs) of just really well done horror with really interesting 
uh, and thought-provoking commentary in, in some respects. So, yeah. Um, as for me, I, I basically said all, all everything that I can say in non-spoilers, but, um, but yeah. Oh, to, to talk about the relationship between Corey and Allison, it's, it was really interesting that throughout the movie, it seemed like it was, it was very confident of David Gordon Green to really just just devote so much time to that relationship in that I mean it it works a lot because it is in conflict with Lori and and it's it's kind of Lori and Corey are kind of in this little like mini battle for, you know, the soul of of Allison in certain respects. Mm-hmm. But but really, I kind of felt like, and I don't know if you guys had the same vibe, um, because it's been a while since I've seen like uh, Drive, but it just really gave me that like um, that uh, Nicholas Winding Refn uh, mm-hmm. vibe, and especially with Drive, my memory of Drive and everything, it just had like this weird, like almost like ephemeral sort of um visual style when they're like riding the motorcycle and there there's like that that music playing and everything it just felt like very almost out of place but also it communicated a lot to like what Allison is going through why Allison is drawn to this man and why like we know why he's a bad idea to 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 get uh <laughs> with but you can see how she is she's like drawn into him and everything. And I think that that really plays up uh, or pays off rather uh, her experience in the first two movies as well. And the kind of the strode experience in the whole franchise. Um, Yeah. So did you guys get that, get that vibe at all? Or am I just kind of uh, off base? It it wasn't something I, I think I consciously noticed, but Mm -hmm. I, I guess I get that. Yeah. The, Mm -hmm. in, in a sort, in a sort of, you know, just kind of maybe visceral way, mm-hmm. um, just the vibe of it, um, of, of that relationship of them, you know, there's, there, you know, there's that sort of, I don't know, that context of just kind of being out there and being out and falling in love and, and you yeah. know, in, in the midst of kind of chaos and, and weird, you know, weirdness. But um, I feel like she, uh, you know, Allison as a character was, in a weird place. And that's, and that's mm-hmm. the whole thing about this movie is the whole thing just has a weird kind of, it's kind of a reversed vibe, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's, it, it's, it's an odd, it's an odd dynamic, first of all, to get, you know, Lori, who has been by all accounts, you know, just this avenging angel, you know, the, the badass. I, I, I compared her to, to Linda Hamilton in Terminator two, you know, mm-hmm. and from the previous films, where she was just like the badass old lady where she's, you know, she's like, I'm going to kill this dude. Like, you know, he's coming for me mm-hmm. and everybody's like, Oh, it's just my crazy grandma, you know? And, and, and then suddenly like it comes to pass. And then, you know, in the next movie, she's still resolute. And then her daughter is killed and she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll just let it go. You know, like, <laughs> like it, it didn't, that, that didn't land as well. I, I, you know, and uh, you know, we, we've had conversations about it off, you know, off air. Um, if that's what we call this, Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it's sort of a jarring, it's sort of a jarring contrast to have that happen, to just have her like, you know, we, we expect it to come in and, and her be going, yeah, I've been stalking Michael and I've got him cornered, you know, like I know he's out there somewhere and she's, instead she's just kind of like, eh, I'm letting him go, you know, <laughs> yeah. like my daughter died, you know, my, my son-in-law died, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter, my granddaughter's boyfriend is dead, and you know mm-hmm. all these people are dead. Let's just let it go. And it's, you know, it it was jarring and weird. And and it would have been nice to have just a, a line of dialogue mm-hmm. for her to say, kind of say why exactly. Um, you know, just just to verbalize it. You know, like I I this is like I lost too much. Like, you know, it's one thing when it's me, but that was my daughter. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is something larger than that. Um, but I, but I still feel like, again, this is one thing I overlook. And then that trickles down into Allison too. It, it would have been mm-hmm. nice and, and, and probably would have been within expectations for them to at least be clashing about it to maybe have Allison, like um, he killed my boyfriend and my mom and yeah. my dad on, yeah. you know, on the same night, like I'm gonna go hunt this son bitch down and, and, you know, set him on fire. Mm-hmm. But um, she didn't, she just kind of went along with it for whatever, you know, whatever it was worth, at least, you know, as far as we can tell, mm-hmm. there's, there's just not much of a, she's not really putting up much of a, of a fight about it. Uh, again, as, as gung ho as she was in Halloween kills to go fighting, you know, go tracking him down with people. Um, and then this one, she's very much just like, yeah, okay, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. let's just let it go. But uh, again, it's, it's that four years later thing where we, yeah. Uh, you know, we don't know what happened in between. So we kind of just have to fill in the gaps and mm-hmm. I, I can fill those gaps in with, uh, you know, just as easy as anything is like, okay, well, you know, she really did reflecting and she saw this chance with her granddaughter. Like, you know, I lost my daughter. I'm going to keep my daughter's spirit alive with my granddaughter. I'm not going to let her turn into me. And so I'm going to, you know, kind of try to take her away from this a little bit. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's really as much as you can, as much as you can do. And, and then that, I guess that those leaps also kind of have to come in that relationship between Corey and, and Allison as well, where uh, they, the, the turns they take, you know, you mentioned that rivalry at first, he and Lori were come, were almost kindred spirits. You mm-hmm. know, she rescues him from some high school band nerds, tormenting him and picking <laughs> yeah. on him, which someone, someone pointed out rightly is, is a pretty funny thing that these days it's the, the band nerds that are the bullies. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Oh, they're oh, they're hardcore, man. I can I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it was it was just weird that this kid was uh, you know ostensibly an adult, and these high school kids are like picking on him. Yeah. Like, oh, you're that freak that killed the kid. Ah, oh, we're gonna beat <laughs> you up. You know. So it, you know they're but you know they were entitled you know rich brats, and it was yeah. like okay, I I can kind of see it even if it's a you know they're being archetypes, but mm-hmm. um, it. It just all still. I I can just like look at that and go, yeah, okay, I guess. Let's mm-hmm. just let's see where where we're we going with this. And uh, again, I I I let it work. I'm ready. To, I was ready to overlook that, and I and I just did. And I was like, okay, she she has her reasons. You know, he has his reasons. She has her reasons. Let's just go with it. Yeah. Okay, Brent. Did you have any of those kind of uh, obstacles or, or hangups on it? Um, I was going to say, getting back to your point, Matt. Um. Hmm there with because i kind of honed in on the the kind of relationship that Corey and allison had i agree with you i think this is there's a part of this that um is kind of like what you were referring to it's kind of like an us against the world sort of thing a very yeah. kind of young romance yeah. a lot of it kind of very like pop punk like mm-hmm. if i could find you now things would get better we could leave this town and run forever <laughs> yes there, there's that sort of a thing <laughs> um and uh I think, yeah, you mentioned that motorcycle riding, and that's, I mean, it's not even like when you're watching, it's like, oh my God, what a scene. But like, yeah. it sticks out in my mind because 
I don't even remember what music they're playing, but mm-hmm. it it almost sort of seems like they would play like, I don't know, like Eyes Without a Face or something, you yeah. know, like, I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> it's just booty. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what you were talking about with like the drive comparison. Yeah. Uh, with Ryan Gosling's character in that movie, he's like brooding mm-hmm. and um, he's a killer in mm-hmm. that movie as well. Um, but he has this like affection for her mm-hmm. and that's real. Both sides are real. It's like yeah. be sort of thing. So, um, so, and you know, uh, well, anyway, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to give too much <laughs> weight on drive. Uh, <laughs> Allison doesn't watch him stop someone's head in. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but regardless, I think maybe that's what you were like tapping into. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I did as well. So that's, nice. that's the thing I kind of, I mean, I, I love drive anyway, but I think mm-hmm. that's, um, since Corey ended up being a pretty a pretty big part of this movie, I, I did sort of respond to that. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I like the music uh, in this movie too. They play Halloween by Dead Kennedys, which is mm-hmm. a really cool song. And then the Midnight Monsters hop, which is like the, uh, it's like Monster Mash gets all the credit and, like, <laughs> and rightfully so. It's a, it's a banger everyone knows. Mm-hmm. But like, that's like kind of a fun, like little, uh, almost like B-side sort of like forgotten novelty track. So yeah. uh, that's one that is very early in the movie um that dude in the very beginning of the prologue plays a little bit uh takata and d as well so like that's just spooky vibes that's fun so uh <laughs> yeah. so I, I did like some of the musical choices here too um I, in terms of hang-ups i you know i i don't really know it seems so basic but i just in terms of michael myers the things that people say about him uh metaphorically in terms of like him being uh, like an analogy for um, like a broken past or, um, you know, the, this kind of unstoppable darkness and things like that. I think, you know, I, I think it works and I under, I understand it. I understand mm-hmm. where people are coming from, but to me, it's just tough because he's a guy in a mask with a knife who (laughs) can just withstand a lot as Mm -hmm. we saw in kills like he gets lit up by a whole mob um (laughs) and you know spoiler alert ends up surviving that right uh so to me it's like okay so what are we doing and and my whole okay so in this and this is not a spoiler either but just Mm -hmm. the thing i've had an issue with in the whole franchise is like okay well is he human or not? So this is getting mm-hmm. back to like the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street thing where it's like, he's like a demon. Like we, he has a backstory. He was a, you know, a pedophile. He's born, burned out mm-hmm. in factory. And it's not a question of, oh, well, is Freddy Krueger human? It's like, no, he's not. He's a, you know, hellish creature that <laughs> right. is in your nightmares. You know, that's the thing. Whereas that's mm-hmm. something I've kind of struggled with with Friday the 13th too, but especially Halloween, because I feel like Jason had didn't he have like weird upgrade? He he always seemed like a droided out sort of freak. I know his mom was the killer in the first one, but like yeah. especially like in, by the time you get to uh what is it, Jason X or whatever when the reason space. Jesus, yeah. I'm yeah. like, yeah, he's like really been like does he have like crypt or uh cryogenic like muscles or something? I don't know what's yeah. going on. But anyway, he's always just like been really whereas like Michael has been um not always as physically imposing. Mm. Um Although he's super strong in some, I know he cracks this guy's head in um, Resurrection. I remember that scene. <laughs> but regardless, so it's just like that's the thing for me. It's like okay, I don't know if he's superhuman or not. Um, I know Jason is in Friday the Thirteenth because he goes to hell and comes back, and mm-hmm. 
I haven't seen all of those movies either. But, uh, <laughs> but, but regarding, do I have that right? You're, you're, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, I know I'm kind of dumping on a whole slasher uh, <laughs> yeah. genre, but subgenre. But uh, all that to say, in these three movies, I agree with you guys. I, they're going for something else. And I, I, I appreciate uh, David Gordon Green. Um, yeah, adding adding some some subtext to it and trying to make it his own thing and all the say, stuff I said about planning. I do think this is all thought out. And uh, I have to say, like in the wake of, you know, trilogies that we get, I'm not naming any studios or uh, whatever, <laughs> but like they don't always think out who the director is going to be, who the mm-hmm. voice is going to be for this whole these three sets of movies, like yeah. for how much money they throw at these freaking things. You'd think they would get that part really, really, really firmed up first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think Universal did a great job at saying, no, like you're the guy, you are the guy yep. you're writing these. He wrote them, you know, co-wrote all of them and distracting all of them and everything. So I, I applaud that, like in mm-hmm. terms of that vision, that's great. And I do yeah. think there's stuff that he's doing, but again, it's, it's all to this framework of like a guy and a girl <laughs> <laughs> and she gets away from them and mm-hmm. I know I'm really, 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 really oversimplifying <laughs> things, but it's tough. It's tough because that's, it's like in some ways, if the first Halloween wasn't a huge smash, like it would probably be like a cult favorite mm. and rightfully so. It's still like a great, it's a great film, oh, yeah. but you kind of get to it. And some of these movies, of course, they end up having more and more sequels than God, I don't want to say deserve because that's going to get you a lot of hate mail. Um, <laughs> then they would have initially expected. They you would go. initially yeah. anticipated. Yeah. Well, that's that's also it. the nature of of the nature of those of these mm-hmm. kind of movies. Is true. Yeah. They're they're made because they're cheap to make. You know. They, yeah. These are and these are really, you know, the the David Gordon Green, Green trilogy is really the first one that had, and I don't even know what the budget is for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I could look it up. I'm on the the page for this one, but um, it, it's not. They, they traditionally don't have huge budgets and, and right. really um, it, it would be easy to say that these are um, these are really kind of cult movies, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as, as mainstream as they are these days, mm-hmm. because they uh, the budget was 20 million for Halloween kills. So oh, wow. um, that that's by far. I mean, I would imagine, uh, you know, before Halloween 2018 would have blown away any of the budgets of the other ones. And I, I mean, I know, oh, like, yeah. you know, most of the, the middle sequels, the pre zombie sequels were mm-hmm. like three and four million dollars at most yeah. you know and they and they and they often aren't huge earners there mm. they make um i i think they were making like 15 to 20 million each you know mm. which you know again if your budget's just a couple million that's that's just a solid profit so yeah. that's you know that kind of is why they make them even though and and again why they don't pay that much attention to them they're like eh, yeah. whatever just make one i'm gonna make us x number of dollars but yeah. th- this one really jumped into things and got us i mean it made 40 million uh, box office its opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada, uh, right. just according to IMDb. So mm-hmm. you know you double the budget right there, and you yeah. know whatever's on top of that is gravy. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's well, like, and it allows them to speaking to what you just said, it allows them to do the Peacock experiment, mm-hmm. which yeah. this is one of the only ones that they're day and dating. I mean, you look yeah. at something like uh, Bros or mm-hmm. certainly Minions; like they're not going to put that on, Ew, yeah. on Peacock. Oh, no. They're going to they're going to wait months and months for that. Yeah. Um, so. Whereas this, they're mm-hmm. saying, well, you know, the stakes are lower because the budget's lower. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if we can get some subscribers in the in the process, 
um it's a cool deal that they, it's neat i'm i actually think that's this is so terrible it's a corporate term but synergistic of them uh, you to you know to see like yeah. well you know we can do this people will still come out to the theaters like mm-hmm. the horror heads will still come out to theaters but we can still get some people that will be like oh the new halloween movie's out let's yeah. it's fun put on a candle and the fire and all that stuff so <laughs> yeah uh it's a it i think that's a really a really smart play Oh well, yeah. yeah. And and I had to talk I had to talk my daughter into watching this at home, you know. Mm. Um mm. I was just like I I basically just sold it cuz we were going to go see it in the theater, you know, for months and months before. She was like, "I can't wait. We're going to go see it in the theater." And I can't wait. And I love it and I love it. You know, she's a she's a big horror fan now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it got to the day of and I was like, "Well, we can go see it tomorrow at the theater <laughs> or we can just put it on right now. What do you think?" Yeah. And she was like, okay we can just watch it now <laughs> so i was like yeah <laughs> i saved the 20 bucks you know and she there you, you know go. And plus i was excited about watching it you know at the moment too so <laughs> um yeah and it's funny because that whole model is counterintuitive but if anything i think horror is the genre it can work in because you have oh, yeah. like you said you have that you have that built-in audience that's like i want to go and see it and there is something about seeing a horror movie in the theaters that oh yeah it's different from i mean even even an action movie. I mean, some mm-hmm. some big action movies, obviously, some big spectacles are are things you, you really want to see on a big screen. But like Black there are Adam, some movies that yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Got to see that on the big screen. Who wouldn't want to see that? Right, right. Changing the hierarchy <laughs> of the DC universe. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not. Um, it, you know, horror is the that genre that everyone is just so they you know they say if you make a horror movie, it's going to make you know, it's going to mm-hmm. make a profit, right? Like, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's bad or good, if it's the best thing ever or just trash. It doesn't matter because X number of people will see it. It'll make money as long as you keep the budget low. And, you know, it, it, it's a sure thing, but yeah. doing it in this, you know, th- this is a marketable franchise mm-hmm. and it's, you know, and it's got a couple of bankable stars, but also it's, you know, it, it can still be in that relatively low budget and, and still um, maybe pull off something like this. So, um, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see going forward if people continue to, you know, if, if the the studios continue to try to try this out, uh, because yeah. you know it it seems uh, counterintuitive, you know, mm-hmm. to to release day and date like that, and um, it, you know, it, it's kind of like people are like, oh yeah, well we're going to put it out on home video, we're going to stick it out there for free, stri- well not you know subscription cost streaming, right? And it's like, well, who's going to go see it if they have a, the, a subscription? Why like, yeah. why would they even bother? And there's and know, a, that, a point of clarification. Show. I think yeah. you have to be on a paid tier of Peacock. I think you have to be on premium or premium plus. I think okay. premium okay. is so Peacock is free, mm-hmm. but it has ads. Mm-hmm. And then there's Peacock yeah. Premium, which gives you access to more, including right. stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. he, but it still has ads, I think. And uh, I think so. I think yeah. it does. And then I think because yeah. I have premium plus. Because Aubrey loves Dateline, so <laughs> that is that is basically gives you the whole collection and no ads. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, but I think you have to have either premium or premium plus for this. But regardless, yeah, I mean, people sign up right. for a trial, and and of course, yeah. uh, Peacock sure. or see or Universal hopes you forget about it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, it's it's neat that we're at this time now. It, it's cool; these movies are coming at this pretty unique time where mm-hmm. these streaming services are really ramping up um their subscription bases and they're kind of figuring out what i mean um uh 
what is it um orphan first kill came out mm-hmm. a month or two ago yeah. um and that was on that was another one that was uh, on paramount plus the same mm-hmm. time it was as it was in theaters i don't know yeah. what that movie made i'm sure not nearly as much as mm-hmm. and um I'm joe sure. i think you just watched significant other recently that yeah, was one yeah I that was night. one that was going to be i think in theaters or it was kind of between it was kind of like they didn't know what to do with it and so mm-hmm. they put that on on uh <laughs> paramount <laughs> plus smile originally <laughs> smile which did huge numbers last month was originally yeah. going to be on paramount plus oh wow i didn't um, know that and they uh they it did well enough at well not well enough it did very well at test screenings and they're mm-hmm. like no we should just put this out and they did and they made money so good for them nice yeah. um also just random just uh thing out here is that tomorrow as of this recording tomorrow uh barbarian hits hbo max which is another i just saw that stellar horror movie this year yeah. Um, yeah, I was yeah. I was putting together kind of a list in my head or what not in my head, but I was like on my phone. Mm-hmm. I was gonna do a post on Friday, like, hey, you wanna watch some scary movies? There's <laughs> a lot of stuff. I mean, that's the other thing about ends is there have been just there's just been such a wealth of horror movies, not oh, even just yeah. this year, but mm-hmm. just like even the past few months. I mean, I really liked Orphan First Kill for what it was. It's not mm-hmm. really necessarily a quote unquote good movie, but it's a lot of fun barbarian um pearl is a movie that i liked quite a yeah. bit which i would mm-hmm. technically say that's a slasher mm-hmm. um yeah. i like the new hellraiser although um i didn't tell anyone this that's actually the first hellraiser movie i've ever seen i oh, never wow. watched the i never got to the original <laughs> one and you're yeah. not gonna watch any of the sequels if you don't watch the first one uh mm-hmm. so i liked it for what it was it was freaking gnarly mm-hmm. god those centibytes do not fuck around anyway um <laughs> so and, and there's just pretty rough plenty of others uh when wendell and wild is one that i'm really excited for it's coming out um nice. on friday so that's the thing for me it's like if i'm looking at the genre I, when i'm kind of looking <laughs> at all this stuff it's like oh man we got crazy stuff that's happening in barbarian that i won't spoil in this podcast segment yeah. and yeah. um you know pearl and it's like this world war one thing and this cool thing <laughs> and we got like freaking this dude in a jumper and a william shatner mask and i'm like <laughs> i get it i get mm-hmm. the legacy and i don't want to dump mm-hmm. on you but i'm just kind of like sorry mm-hmm. need the new blood <laughs> yeah i understand that and uh we can kind of segue more into spoilers here in a second but i want to preface the spoiler section by saying that one of the things that i really appreciated about halloween ends and the halloween uh h4o trilogy is what i'm calling it the david gordon green trilogy is that it (laughs) is that it has such it's it feels so special in the franchise as a whole because joe like what you were saying is that they pump out these sequels for the for horror franchises especially slasher franchises without any forethought because they can turn a profit and it's because it's catering to a very specific uh like fan base which is not a criticism at all i i have long long held a belief that the horror community is one of the like warmest and most accepting like fan communities i've ever seen like if you go to like a horror hound convention or something it's Mm -hmm. like the love for the genre just it it's it envelops everything um And so it's sort of like metalheads being like metalhead concerts, like them being the nicest people. And (laughs) you go to a stadium country show and they're all awful. Exactly. (laughs) I'm generalizing, obviously. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 
But what David Gordon Green did, has done successfully, in my opinion, is he has created this trilogy of films that aims to pay homage to to the classics of the genre and of the and of the uh, of the franchise and everything. But with each successive entry, it has expanded into this all-encompassing sort of story that he's telling. So the first one is about that trauma, is about surviving trauma, confronting trauma, uh, confronting your past and moving past or getting getting some kind of reprieve from the trauma that's been plaguing you from your past. It is a very like honed in one person dealing with her past and what it's done to her family and everything. And then the second movie is an extension of that, but also it has this grief baked into it where like, uh, uh, Lori's daughter and granddaughter are grieving their, their, uh, uh, her, her son-in-law. And then you have the whole town, which it, it plays into uh, some of the stuff that happened in like Halloween's four and five, I think where they get like a lynch mob together to go after Michael. And that tells the story about the communal trauma of what Michael Myers has done to the town of Haddonfield. And then what, what Halloween ends does. And I think that this is so clever and so interesting is that it takes it goes away from the kind of shared trauma thing and branches off into this just ever present like energy in the town that Michael Myers has been gone for four years, disappeared without a trace. No one knows where he is. Nothing. It's established at the end, very pointedly at the end of kills that he is basically immortal or supernatural in some way because he should have died, (laughs) but he Uh didn't. So he is this looming specter across Haddonfield, and it has it has infected the entire town in ways that are just it's so visceral. And the way the the way that the storyline plays out, especially with regard to Lori and Allison and Corey, just feels like a perfect meld of that kind of all encompassing like communal energy of an, a communal infection of sorts and the kind of honed in like personal uh, tension and drama of saving the soul of someone you love essentially. So it's just, it's such yeah. an interesting, an interesting thing. It's, it's these three movies are an interesting outlier of a franchise that has, you know, movies like any other slasher franchise that has movies where each the the beginning of each movie has to explain why why he's still alive from the last movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I just found this to be so like just so interesting to me and uh, thought provoking. Um, yeah, I yeah. I actually um, you know I I talked on uh, I talked to uh, again my podcasting partner Austin mm-hmm. Glidden on Medium Cool. We talked about mm-hmm. this movie, and it, it kind of occurred to me as we were going along that. This is sort of a, a September 11th kind of parable in a lot of mm. ways, you know. There's, uh, or or maybe maybe if you want to make it a little smaller, like a school shooting kind of parable. Oh yeah, where you know, and I, I think there, and I think those two uh, can be linked together, and and I think um, you know that that's kind of what I want to do almost here is the the you know there's there's this trauma that that you know an entire community has, the, an entire country has, um, and 
you know, what's the aftermath of that? Mm -hmm. You know, they, and, and one, you know, obviously in the case of this film, it's, it's Michael Myers going on a rampage and killing people. But, you know, he, he went on the rampage 40 years ago and there were just a couple of people who were really affected by it. And then he comes back and the entire town essentially is, is, you know, devastated by it. And, you know, I mean, how many people did he kill? And between those two movies that yeah. it's, it's easy to forget that was the same night, you know, he killed mm -hmm. what upwards of 20 people or more. And, you know, then suddenly there's, you know, there are these years um, that have passed where everyone's dealing with that. And, you know, in, in a town like Haddonfield, everyone knows everyone, right. Or, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's a, uh, you know, or at least you're not going to go far without finding somebody that you know. Certainly, someone you know knows these people. Yeah. So, it it kind of did this thing that September 11th did to us uh, as a as a country, and that's turned some of us into kind of hardened. I don't want to say raving lunatics, but raving lunatics. You know, and and they start making these these kind of wild and outlandish conclusions that you know allows really bizarre things to happen societally. And, you know, and, and that's, that's the thing I kept thinking, you know, every time there were, you know, the, the, the kids who uh, approach Corey and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, you're the one who killed the kid. He was babysitting. And then Lori goes through that with, uh, you know, at the outside the grocery store where the woman approaches her yeah. and is like, it's your fault that Michael Myers stabbed my sister because yeah. you were tempting him with your whatever, you know? And it's like, these are ridiculous assertions to me. Mm -hmm. Like how could it have possibly been her fault? How could she possibly have had? anything to do with yeah. him, you know, escaping from the, the mental institution and, and going right. on a rampage. It's like, all she's done is like mind her own business for, mm -hmm. you know, for 40 years. But, you know, somebody is going to find a way to blame it on someone else mm -hmm. because this is what we're looking for is, you know, in, in some ways is someone to blame is yeah. to make someone the boogeyman um, mm -hmm. for us. So it, it was really interesting watching it with that in mind. Cause I, and I watched Halloween ends again mm -hmm. um, uh, after, was it after I talked about it? I've, I've watched it twice anyway, since it nice. premiered. And it was, it's kind of interesting to watch it from that perspective to see, you know, this is the way people deal with this, this grief and this trauma. And it's some, some people, you know, co go inward and some people go externally. And, and, you know, I think that's kind of like the toxicity in America these days kind yeah. of mirrors Haddonfield in, especially in Halloween ends when everyone's still kind of devastated and still, they, they never got the justice they wanted. Um, from Michael Myers. So they are looking for people to blame and the, the other people to blame and how, you know, this is, you know, this is what kids these days are like, and this is what, yeah. you know, that's how, and, and that's, you know, th those parallels are, are pretty striking and pretty, uh, pretty poignant, I think in, in this movie, especially. So I, I, that's, that's really the, the biggest thing I, I thought that, uh, you know, we, we make these, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, we make those, those connections, you know, going back to scream where, mm -hmm. um, Oh, Jamie Kennedy's character, Randy, he, uh, you know, he, he made the rules for surviving a horror movie, you know, and talked about, you know, oh, well, sex equals death yeah. and, you know, drugs equal death. And it's like, that's, that's kind of a common theme through those movies. But, uh, you know, even if you talk to John Carpenter about the original Halloween, he didn't, he said he never intended on that to be in a, you know, an allegory mm -hmm. that, you know, that he, he even said, you know, the, the reason that the, Michael Myers killed those other characters is just because they weren't really paying attention to him being there. And Laurie's character was, it wasn't because she was a virgin or because right. she was pure of heart. And, and so we're, we kind of manufactured those, you know, those rules or those, you know, those, those lessons from horror movies. But here, you know, David Gordon Green is, you know, is kind of turning that around and, and baking them into his movies. And 
I, I think that was, you know, I, I think that was, was pretty cool. It was, it was certainly, uh, uh, and certainly did it in a more modern way. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, John Carpenter is obviously a, an amazing filmmaker, but I think there are times uh, there's that whole thing when you mentioned the elevated horror thing and he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I do think that it's funny that he made such a brilliant film in Halloween. And then, I mean, in the, the 80s i mean the thing and all sorts of other like incredible movies um but i think like with the way that film discourse is now and mm. like just how prevalent it is like he i'm guessing but he seems kind of exhausted <laughs> just by how because <laughs> yeah. like he made a movie that's that's so I mean, it's like, uh, you know, Velvet Underground and Nico or whatever. It's mm. like, you know, where, you know, everyone who saw it made a slasher movie or whatever. Yeah. And so he kind of was <laughs> creating this template that I don't even know if he knew he was making for this whole su subgenre. Um, mm. So it's just uh, it's funny, but it go. But I mean, David Gordon Green was one of those people who saw that movie. And he's like, these are the things he's drawing from it. Mm -hmm. And uh I, I think that's interesting. I want to talk in spoilers. I want to follow up on what you were talking about, Joe, about the the uh, sort of these as, as sort of a a, th a three part kind of uh, reaction. Nine Eleven. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Metaphor. Um, Algor. Yeah. Let's go into spoilers actually, and uh, let's dig in deeper into that. So, um, uh, like I said, we're going to go into spoilers, so check the show notes for timestamps and all of that stuff, but uh, we're going to play a clip from the trailer and then go into spoilers for Halloween Ends. Uh, before we do that, just round the table, what did you guys rate it on Letterboxd out of five stars? I, I think I gave it four, uh, four okay. stars. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah I, was, I was very into it, and I thought that it was uh, uh, fantastically done overall. Um, yeah, yeah, four is what I gave it. Nice. And I, I gave it two and a half, but I'll qualify that by saying I gave Halloween 2018 and kills two and a half. So if okay. you like those movies, then you know that I'm an idiot. <laughs> and uh, to, <laughs> more to the point, you'll probably like this because I, I think for what it's doing within this trilogy, I think it is a satisfying conclusion about mm -hmm. a, a trilogy with characters that uh i don't want to say i don't care about that's that's too flip but that <laughs> sure. with an antagonist following an antagonist that i don't have the same sort of affection for uh as everyone else gotcha. that's the way i would say it um well but, said <laughs> uh, yeah but but if you like the halloween movies i think you'll well of course you'll see this one mm -hmm. but i think you'll uh enjoy it nice well said i rated it three and a half stars but honestly I could kind of see it going up to four upon rewatching it, but for now it's three and a half and I rated four stars for both Halloween and Halloween kills. So, uh, so yeah, so let's go ahead and go into spoilers for Halloween ends. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer and then we're going to spoil the movie. I was certain that I saw him watching me. You pretend like you moved on, but you're actually just obsessed with death. What are you gonna do when Michael comes back for you? Because he is coming. But this time, something feels different. He's more dangerous. Ah! 
So spoilers on for Halloween ends, and let's talk about the kind of 9-11 par- parable or parallels yep. and everything and uh, kind of uh, the communal trauma sort of thing. So, uh, Joe, did you want to expound on that, or Brent, did you want to follow sure. up on it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I mean, you know, if you if you look back on on any of these, and, you know, and these, these are happening, these kind of events, I mean, obviously, September 11, 2001 was, you know, unparalleled probably in American history in terms of, you know, a, just a, a massive trauma that mm. kind of, you know, happened to, you know, to the entire country. Everyone was affected by it. Um, and, and you couldn't really help but be affected by it. And, um, you know, the, and the ramifications of that kind of echo through today. And it, you know, it, we, you know, it, it changed the way we, we talk to each other. It changed the way we look at the world. It changed the way we argued politically. And, it, you know, it, it, it morphed, you know, if you look at it in terms of politics, it morphed politics from, you know, this thing where, uh, you know, and I remember, in, you know, when I was younger, it was always like, well, you know, your your grandpa is going to say racist things and people are going to be upset and say things you don't agree with in this or that, but everybody just kind of dealt with it. And, and you know, kind of in the wake of that in the, the years to follow, uh, you know, there's the, those disagreements became much more pronounced and, mm-hmm. and families have been, you know, estranged from each other. I mean, that's happened to me and that's happened to, you know, millions, I'm sure thousands and thousands of other families in the world where, you know, where relationships were adversely affected in a real way to the point that people stopped talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that's kind of, so that, that's how I looked at this was that it, it changed the town from a, a small town. It was a small town that wasn't equipped to handle a trauma like this. It's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if you look at a lot of the people even you know, you even look at at uh, the Tommy Doyle character and and all of them. They're all these working class people who, mm-hmm. you know, are are just kind of you know the the values they would have are like oh you know if you hurt yourself rub some dirt on it and go back out yeah. you know don't don't express your feelings and you know that was you know pre nine eleven that was you know still prevail I mean it was pre- feelings were changing but that was still kind of the prevailing uh, sentiment you know a man does this and a woman does this. Um, and after, but after that kind of very quickly morphed and changed and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, society in, in some ways became better and in some ways became worse. Um, uh, you know, the, there are, there's an acceleration of, of people who were like, you know, we need to accept everyone for who they are. And, you know, if, if you look at like how quickly, uh, you know, gay rights have, you know, moved, you know, the kind of the trans community, mm-hmm. like all of these things, even when, even in the nineties, you know, there were movies making transgender jokes and, you know, having characters as transgender jokes. And now, you know, everyone, it's kind of like, no matter who you are, you know, accept these people. And then on the other side of that, it's those people who, who think that there's something wrong with that are much more vitriolic about it now. And yeah. uh, at least, well, I mean, in, in a different way, uh, I, I guess, I guess you could argue that, you know, pre you know, pre nine 11, you know, there were still, hate crimes and people being killed for being gay. Um, but now everyone just seems kind of embittered by it. Those people who, who maybe would have, if not, you know, participated in those kinds of crimes, they would have, you know, at least shrugged a little bit more. Yeah. Now they just, they just kind of whine bitterly about it. So, uh, it, <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, so there's just a lot of that. It's, it's just kind of the, the toxicity level has, has risen. Uh, even if, if some of those actions are, you know, those, those actions that were, standing up and saying, no, we're not going to deal with this anymore. You're going to stop doing this stuff. Yeah. It's, 
and and that's how and that's how Haddonfield is in a lot of ways. You know, it's you know you see these things where people could be like, oh, that poor guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're you know they're all like, oh, that's the dude that killed you know, you know that's the dude that that killed the kid. Like, look at that. Like, you know, sure the courts exonerated him, but I don't I don't believe them. Yeah. So there you know there's just there's just a lot of that that kind of kind of prevails. So. Uh, I mean, I've kind of gone on long enough about that. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, Joe, based on what you were saying, because I haven't really thought of the 9-11 thing, but I was kind of working it out. Whereas, uh, you know, OK, if that's if it's about, you know, something traumatic happens, Halloween is, you know, trying to move on and, and prepare for the next steps. Um, I was thinking towards the reason I want to say this in spoilers is to the very end. Um mm-hmm when uh michael myers <laughs> uh is in the like industrial shredder or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like he's yeah. done is that seal team six is that osama bin laden being shot <laughs> everyone seeing his butt. no i mean it i'm serious yeah. like yeah, no, no, if, that, if that logically like because i don't think the movie it, of course it's not like a one-to-one maybe mm-hmm. terrible for everything but yeah is everyone finally seeing the body and like seeing it shred and it's like he's done and i remember i mean i remember when you know uh osama bin laden when it was announced that, that he was that he was killed um there was this sort of sigh of relief yeah. i feel like not not just nationally but you know across the whole world where it's like okay like you kind of feel like you in a certain way you you're not totally over it, but you know, that chapter has been at least closed, mm-hmm. um, which would kind of make kills, uh, the Iraq war, I suppose. Hmm. Uh, and would have Corey being other jihadists that rose up as the <laughs> result of nine 11. Yeah. And I'm and, totally and, spitballing. Well, but yeah, <laughs> but, maybe, well, and it's and not I, a one-to-one parable. I don't yeah. Want to yeah. It certainly isn't. But I, I also look at it in terms of like a school shooter. Right. Uh, you know, yes. when school, school shootings, you know, have become this thing. And every time there's one, it, you know, there's the, you know, we have the same kind of circular arguments about it. Right. Like, right. And, and I think this all, I think that all has kind of grown out of that, that same sentiment. This, yeah. you know, well, you know, if, if everybody had a gun, then everything would be better. And mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Halloween kills is, is that right? Like that's, that's kind of that logic where, you know, Tommy Doyle went out and gave everybody a gun and, and they all ran the streets and, you know, like how did that work out for them? Yeah. And it, it, you know, it didn't, but I, you know, I, I very much looked at, at, uh, Corey Cunningham as uh, kind of a, was made into a school shooter. Uh, you know, there's, you know, you go back to Columbine and you go back to all of these other school shootings and it, it always seemed like, you know, the, the prevailing sentiment is, Oh, this is a kid who's bullied. Mm-hmm. And this is a kid, you know, these kids were mercilessly bullied and they had absentee parents or, you know, overbearing parents. And obviously you know, Corey had that as well. It it kind of, I think it all kind of the the trauma part of that kind of all feeds into it together. So yeah, you know, you're right. It, it certainly is. It's kind of it kind of picks and chooses that uh, a, a little bit, and and it's not. I, I think it's it's more the the aftermath of it, the the way that people deal with with a massive trauma than it is a direct parable of of the two of them. <laughs> right. Well, what were you guys saying about the Corey Cunningham, the name? Because I didn't, I don't know so, what you guys are talking about. <laughs> so my, my kind of 
thought was that, and and Joe, I don't know if you're going to be on the same wavelength or slightly different, but my thought of it, because I know that you're you're a bit more uh, in touch with the horror horror like genre, I think, than I am, but. I kind of got a kick out of the fact that his name is Corey Cunningham because Cunningham the uh, is the name of oh, I can't remember his full name, but he's the guy that made Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and Sean S. Cunningham. Sean yeah. S. Cunningham. There you go. Yeah, uh-huh. And Friday the Thirteenth was an unabashed just rip off of Halloween. <laughs> like Friday the Thirteenth yeah. was like they saw Halloween and they did that same thing, same opening kill essentially just you know uh point of view slasher kill and all of Mm -hmm. that so that's great and i just love the idea that the character in this movie who doesn't necessarily take up the mantle of michael myers but is trying to emulate michael myers and try to do the michael myers thing is named cunningham i just i loved that as like a nod to the horror genre in in the history Um, yeah, as, as Cunningham yeah. as the fake John Carpenter. Yeah, Corey mm-hmm. Cunningham as the fake Michael Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. So I just mm-hmm. I got a kick out of that. Um, yeah. 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 I like yeah. that as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And we yeah we were directly on the same page. Was, nice. Yeah. Nice. There's yeah. A, I I didn't know that. Yeah. The the, the uh, creator of uh, Friday Thirteen. Sorry. <laughs> I I missed I missed that uh, that that yeah. Joke, but um, and, yeah. and similarly to John Carpenter, he he kind of sort of begged off of the series mm-hmm. before too long and it went on without him and then he's he returned sort of later on uh for like jason goes to hell i think he was an executive producer so he had you know he had a, a hand in it but he didn't you know come back and direct one again john carpenter yeah. kind of did the same thing he washed his hands of it and uh and then later on kind of gave his blessing and to you know for the, i mean he, he i think he always made money off of, mm-hmm. off of the those movies but um he wasn't really excited about participating in the process yeah and then he, he kind of came back and I, again I, I don't think he had much to do with with these but uh, you know he the checks cash just as well so. <laughs> right so yeah. i want to i want to ask you guys about Corey because like this is the stuff i get hung up like with again this movie and even this trilogy and maybe even this whole franchise or mm-hmm. you know whatever so the idea that, that michael is hiding out in the sewers Corey goes down there Michael is about to kill him. Is the idea that he transfers his Michaelness to uh-huh. him? Like, is it what I'm getting at is it is, is it an ethereal or not ethereal, but like a supernatural thing where he is yeah. literally like bestowing him with this darkness? Or is it just because like they're almost like a team at a certain right. point yeah. and like uh-huh. i'm kind of like okay like what what does michael get out of him being like yeah. usurped or passed on mm-hmm. i just that was a part uh, kind of a what ends up to me being kind of a critical comp- component of it that i just couldn't connect yeah i think uh, for me sorry uh, my interpretation of it and joe you can expound on the, this mm-hmm. too because sure. i'm sure you have a better idea for it but um my my thought process of that was that one it is kind of it, it is a very very clear nod to the end of Halloween 4 in which Michael basically transfers the power and the evil over to his niece who then goes and kills her mother in the closing of Halloween 4 um 
And so I feel like it's a nod to that, but also I kind of feel like the, <laughs> this is going to be, I, I'm going to be, it, this is going to be unclear, but, uh, or this is going to be a mess as I'm trying to explain it. But basically I kind of see their pseudo partnership as being like, on one hand, I kind of see it as Michael being like, Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm like the Joker. I want to see the world burn. So let's, let's do like you go and do my, do my bidding and everything. Mm-hmm. But on another front, like a more meta- metaphorical level, I see it as Corey given, being given not necessarily a one-to-one transfer of the evil of Michael Myers or anything, but just a he's given a push into that. And he's already had he's already an embattled soul, basically, as is established throughout the movie up to that point. But that push is what leads him to feel empowered enough to just destroy things in his wake and murder and and kill and everything. And I kind of like the idea of Michael being a a presence in those scenes with him or even an accomplice in some or what have you. I see that as being, and this might be too direct a metaphor, but see that as being Michael being like a physical embodiment of the evil that is plaguing Haddonfield. And it is manifesting in Corey's actions and everything. And it's kind of, uh, (laughs) shall I say that Michael is the shape of evil and he is, he's Mm. just like, it's a, it's a visual representation of him just infecting you know, the town of Haddonfield with, with evil and, and kind of craziness. So I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I, I have, yeah, I would go along with that to an extent, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that it, and I think it was probably purposely vague. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you look at the, you know, that moment when he, he grabs him and, and he kind of look, you know, they kind of look in each other's eyes and Michael sees this flash of all of the things that have happened to him. Is that like a weird psychic connection? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it's like I I wondered if it was. Was it just like a representation of them? Like he looks in his eyes and sees the evil that that he has. Mm-hmm. Is there like a you know like you said, Brent, like a transference? I like again. It's like it's it's kind of vague. I kind of saw it as he recognized. You know, evil evil recognizes evil, mm-hmm. and he saw it and was like, oh, like I could do something with this. Yeah, and. He doesn't, and it it is even it's it's nice also the way that they they almost make the the kill scenes where they're both participating mm-hmm. not it's not a direct like hey Michael come on buddy let's go let's go right. kill some shit it's like Corey went out to do the killing and even in that first that first time when they go to the doctor to the doctor's house with the doctor mm-hmm. and the nurse he he's wearing like a clown mask, which is sort of reminiscent of what um, Michael wore in the original Halloween. He mm-hmm. wore like mm-hmm. a clown outfit, but it wasn't, it was a different sort of mask. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also kind of resembles the mask that, that uh, Rob Zombie's Michael Myers wore as a child. Oh yeah. Um, so there's, there's a couple of those little nods, but it's also, you know, also when the girl is running away, like Michael is there behind her, you know? So mm-hmm. it's almost like, I don't know that Corey necessarily was like, come on, let's go. We'll be partners. I'll be, I'll be your Robin. But <laughs> it, it's like, you know, it's like, and he, he does tell him at one point to teach him how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, but it still is very much like a, he almost wills it. Corey almost wills it to happen. 
that you know and you would it doesn't make much sense for michael to want an apprentice or you know right. like why why does he care but at the same time i i also looked at it as michael being vulnerable at first you know when he when he grabs him he he's not necessarily strong enough just to overpower him mm-hmm. and Ori coming around kind of you know he was breaking down and if you look at him it, you know even after he lets him go he's he's kind of hunched over and he's limping around he's he still is selling those injuries he got four years before he's he's kind yeah. of a broken down old man you know to to kind of Lori's point later on in the film um it, and it and as he's able to start killing again, he's kind of reinvigorated and, you mm-hmm. know, he's, he's energized by that and, and starts to get, you know, he does the, he does the kill against the wall where he mm-hmm. picks the girl up and stabs the knife through her. Yeah, you know, I was like, thinking about that. It's kind yeah, of like yeah. passing the baton, the knife. You yeah. Know, <laughs> but, but then later on, you know, when, when Corey takes the mask, he very easily overpowers him. And, you know, Corey is not a big, strong guy by any means, mm-hmm. but he pretty quickly overpowers him and, and, you know, rips basically rips his mask off and takes off, and it's like that's some disrespectful shit to do to Michael Myers. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> that's what I was almost thinking in this movie. Again, mm-hmm. I tried it. I'm of two minds because, like, I I obviously mm-hmm. th- these aren't necessarily my wheelhouse, but I I see these movies too from the other side. I'm like, man, are like people going to be cool with that? <laughs> like <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. What I mean is like, will Halloween fans be okay? Mm with like mm-hmm. this new character who we've never met before, like going toe to toe with Michael and all that yeah. stuff. So I, you know, I, I don't know, but I mean, I think within the context of what you just said, Joe, it, that yeah. that's okay. I think that would probably be, um, be okay. And yeah, the, mm-hmm. so the other one too, in the salvage yard, that's kind of one of the other big set pieces mm-hmm. in terms of, yeah. um, kind of killings. Like, like there, there's that one shot, um, where, uh, hands up, he ends up shooting the uh, or someone else. One of the bullies ends up shooting the salvage yard guy, and like Corey uh-huh. disappears. Behind. That was uh, yeah, such yeah. a that was an awesome shot. That's probably my favorite shot in the whole movie because mm-hmm. it's yeah. that whole idea of like kind of what you guys are talking about that like violence begets violence, and mm-hmm. like even if Michael or Corey doesn't stab them or get them somehow, that they'll mm-hmm. kind of get each other. So I, I like that as yeah. kind of a really really just a it's a quick shot, but it's just like a a neat mm-hmm. sort of visual metaphor, and then that that pretty brutal shot with the blowtorch to the mouth, but yeah. then showing oh, the yeah. other character doing the push in like, it's mm-hmm. like, that's brutal. And you can see it. Um, it, like the, the, but the focus is on this other character who's already pinned. It's like mm-hmm. th- that, that was a series of shots that I, I really, really, uh, I really loved in this. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, that, that stuff, that stuff definitely worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that, that blowtorch to the mouth, by the way, uh, I I have a theory as an, uh, another homage to Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, where oh. where the the imposter Jason sticks a road flare in someone's mouth. To oh kill them. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that 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 was another thing. I was like, oh, and I I even said that to my daughter. <laughs> I was like, hey, yeah, that's that's an homage to Part Five. Remember when he? And she's like, oh yeah, nice. Yeah, a, See that road flare? I want to say one other thing too. This is like not again. I don't know this. I would. I probably should have said non-spoilers. This actually mm. might be. And now that, of course, that we're talking about it, this is. This might be my favorite of the three. I think nice. actually. Um, but I would say, the thing I talked about with with Alice and Corey, I don't really have a ton more to add to that. I, I just mm. like their romance and their connection. But uh, 
Lori and I'm sorry, Will Patton's character's name, the sheriff. Right. Yeah. Um, right. They have right. a few scenes together. I love that whole thing of Will Patton's sheriff uh, learning Japanese and uh, picking <laughs> up a guitar. Uh-huh. And uh, I wanted to hear an original uh, song. I wanted him. I wanted him. I wanted them over the end credits or something, kind of like Grand Torino. I wanted <laughs> yes. Will Patton to sing like what some song that he had learned in, with Japanese <laughs> lyrics. I thought that would have been awesome, but he didn't. But that's okay. But um, you know, it, I just like again stuff like that. It's sort of I actually I, I like that part of it of trying to buy the house in town. Mm-hmm. And trying for normalness, like trying for a return to normal that he's mm-hmm. striving for and that Lori is striving for. She's yeah. writing a memoir, um, yeah. which uh, which we hear in voiceover, which someone mm-hmm. on someone on Twitter said they were being snarky. They said uh, it's like, uh, you know, good job on Lori for writing a memoir that was composed all of last paragraphs. Because <laughs> <laughs> every voiceover that she does is like yeah. very much like, you know, but yeah. it, it is what it is. But but yeah. I, I do like the idea of not just them. Not just them moving uh, on separately with their own lives, but uh, mm-hmm. the very the very last scene in this movie is them sitting on the, on the porch. So uh, yeah. I thought that was sweet. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I it's it's a it's a sweet slasher movie. What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> right. The, it's a good slasher yeah. movie for Valentine's Day, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but there there is something there too about mm-hmm. kind of what you're you're talking about. Uh, you know, sort of trying to trying to to move on, and I think. Yeah. that is therapeutic watching mm-hmm. this dude get thrown in this industrial shutter by the end, which is, you know, that's after the, what the two knives to the hands and then she <laughs> yeah. slits his throat and yeah. somehow he still ends up, he rips his, that's why he rips his hand through anyway. Yeah. Yeah. To still try to choke guy. Awesome. You know, the, my favorite part of that was, uh, you know, the, of, of the, the macabre things that I've heard in my life. The one thing my step my stepdad always talked to me about was how in you know in the movies they um when when someone's trying to commit suicide and they they slash their wrists, mm. they always go this way, kind of you know, parallel with their the base of their hand. Mm. And he was always like, Nobody's gonna bleed to death from that. Like mm. you have to cut vertically along the the vein to open the whole vein up. And that's exactly what Lori does. And yes. I was like it reminded me of my stepdad, first of all. And then I was like, also, that's a smart move. You know, like, <laughs> you know, in a vein oh, yeah. that's open that much. And yeah. she, she absolutely knew that. And it was such a, just mm-hmm. a, you know, just such a, like, off the cuff kind of moment. It wasn't like there was some mention early in the movie of, oh, you know, right. cut, slashed her wrist, but went along the forearm <laughs> instead of, you know, just across the wrist. So, yeah. Um, it, it's it funny because that's how I can tell I grew up and really, like, a certain emo era because <laughs> uh don't cross the street go down the or don't cross the sidewalk go down the street yes yeah. something i heard maybe in sixth grade I which think is I really messed up yeah, uh, but, oh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah but that's what you just said but it a you know cheekier phrase sadly uh, yeah. so yeah. anyway that's just yeah and uh, but, uh yeah kind of on that similar topic the um the the entire uh, let's talk about the showdown between Lori and Michael proper because mm-hmm. that is what the movie has been marketed as and everything and it is mm-hmm. it is the last time that Jamie Lee Curtis will play Lori Strode and go up against yeah. Michael Myers and that is that's that's monumental and everything what i loved about it is 
how I mean the actual like back and forth and the fighting and everything I was fine it was cool it was good mm-hmm. but what I really liked about it is how um and really this is going back to her encounter with Corey but like when she is she has the falling out with with Allison and then she sets everything up to where she is she calls about a suicide and then she's gonna like she's doing this whole song and dance about it and then I just loved that like move where it's like oh no no I'm not gonna kill myself I'm here to like you, like you know I'm just reeling you in like you get the fuck out or whatever I like I loved yeah. that um but I did like I I also just really liked the conclusion of of the battle for Allison basically and uh and and Laurie and Michael Myers it was just it was overall really satisfying in the end so yeah uh, I yeah I, I I thought it was oddly satisfying for as short as it was. Mm. But I mean, if you, you know, if you look at, you know, you go back to H2O, like that was a badass knockdown drag out. Like oh, yeah. it was the traditional scene, you know, and Michael's stalking her and she's running and she's also mm-hmm. fighting back. And then, you know, of course that, that great, uh, the great ending, you know, that where she, you know, she, you know, lops his head off with an ax is like, that's, you know, there's, there's two, there's, well, there's three really great Halloween endings. You know, the first mm-hmm. one, of course, where he's gone. Part four, when you know that you referenced earlier, after yeah. uh, you know, where Jamie Lloyd, who by the way, I don't know if you guys even remember this, is supposed to be Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter, yep, uh, or Lori Strode's daughter, um, who was orphaned, and the woman she kills is, and I think she didn't actually kill her once they get into part five, she just mm. like wounded her, she stabbed her in a very Michael esque way, you know, great, great cliffhanger. I think she, she stabbed her with a pair of scissors. Yeah. And then in, in part five, you get a very quick line of, mm. oh, well, like she didn't kill her. She just attacked her. Oh, okay. She survived. Yeah. But then she's not even in her, the father, the foster parents are not even in the sequel at all. Right. They're like out of town. And, you know, the, it's part five is an abomination on so many levels. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that is a fun thing that, that Halloween at least did perpetually was, I mean, into its, you know, sometimes to to a bad degree is try to make a story that continues on mm-hmm. you know it's like you know there's the tommy jarvis saga and and friday the 13th but then it's mostly you know just like random groups of teenagers but yeah in, in halloween it it kind of builds you know the it's like the laurie strode story throughout until um you know even even resurrection is the one where it deviates because mm-hmm. um you know, she, Jamie, you know, Lori's killed at the beginning and then it, you know, just is like, oh, here's a new group of kids. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, <laughs> this, this is the the place where they, they, you know, they, they have that full continuation and then, you know, David Gordon Green's like, eh, no, no, nah, forget all that. Yeah. Um, but, but then there's still these little touches that, that kind of allude to some of those things. So, uh, yeah. It, it's just you know it was and I'm not even sure where I'm at right now. Uh, <laughs> what, you know what I'm what I'm trying to say, but um it you know that that's that's kind of the the whole thing is you know we had all that mm-hmm. you know all of the the big one-on-one showdowns this one was was oddly toned down you know and mm-hmm. it was it wasn't a big dramatic moment where he died she's just you know she like literally like drops the refrigerator on him he's pinned and you know she just very calmly slits his throat and yep. then you know then slices his forearm you know uh, although that that moment where allison grabs his arm and like breaks it is pretty gruesome and it's, it's pretty cool and, and gruesome but it's mm-hmm. um also strangely i don't know it it's it, it's another mark i guess another 
indication that Michael is now just an old man who can be overpowered. <laughs> true, true. Um, so a couple of things, a couple of things that I didn't, I, one thing I didn't get and one thing that I didn't like. Um, Will Patton's character, I wish had more to do. And yeah. I, I felt like the first two movies, especially Halloween Kills, it sets up this this traumatic past for him. This this yes. horrific mistake that he made when he tried to take down Michael Myers himself. And he's carried that with him for 40 years now. Mm-hmm. I was so certain that this movie was going to end up with him at least like trying to do something um, uh, redemptive to that end but he's he's damn near just a cameo um, in just a few scenes yeah. and i just thought that that was just such a peculiar choice for uh for the movie for the trilogy as a whole to set up such a pivotal moment for a for a character and then just not do anything with that um mm-hmm. in the third installment because i i felt like that was just that fell completely by the wayside for me and that that was a disappointment for me yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I agree. And yeah, yeah, they went they went to that that all that trouble of mm-hmm. adding those couple like recreating the whole 1978. Yeah, and you know, and showing his role, and then all of a sudden here they're just like, yeah, whatever. He doesn't, you know, yeah. he doesn't need it. <laughs> yeah, he's happy where he's at. Yep. Uh, and the thing that I didn't understand, I didn't necessarily get why Lori kept the mask on the coffee table at the end. I didn't even notice it the first time I saw it, but then I went back and played it again. And like, yeah, the Michael's mask is just on her coffee table. And and it's like yeah. the last scene. I don't understand like the significance of that, like what that what that's trying to tell us. Um I don't I don't know. I don't know. Did you guys have any takes on that? Yeah, I I didn't really. Uh, other than you know those those last shots were mirroring again. We're mirroring the end of, of the original Halloween, where yeah, you know you see inside the rooms, you see that you know you see the empty rooms where he had been terrorizing her, mm-hmm. and you know as kind of the last shots. And and I know that 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 you know like I said that that that's a you know another callback to that. But the the ma- I took the just took the mask sitting there as you know it was like her keepsake or something. Mm-hmm. It was like her final, you know, her final victory. But I, I don't know. Maybe okay. there's something more to that. Okay. I, I just took it to be a trophy, but I, but I don't yeah. know. And yeah, that they hang on that shot for long enough where I recognized it mm-hmm. um, to be able to scan the room. But uh, if they had cut it a few seconds before, I don't think I would have noticed it. So, yeah. 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 Interesting. I think that, I think that my probably, I don't know, my rationale for it would be, it just shows that the power is gone. Like it's just a mask now. It's not the shape. It's yeah. not Michael, um, mm-hmm. which I, I can appreciate, but I th- thought it was yeah. a little too vague for my taste. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to talk about in spoilers for <laughs> Halloween ends? <laughs> Boy, I think we've gone on for quite a while. I think so too. <laughs> um, it's got, it's, it's got, it's got to ends at some point. Yes. 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 All right, well, that is our review of Halloween Ends. Uh, how would you guys rank the trilogy um, itself uh, uh, now that it's complete? I, I think your I, I think your comment about it being the best, you know, three film you know sequence in the the franchise is certainly true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they you know seventy eight and and two. If there had been a decent three, 
you know, yeah. would have, <laughs> you know, may have challenged it, but um, yeah, certainly four five, six, you know, the, like as they're calling it the Thorn trilogy these days, mm-hmm. again, start like I love four. Um, I, I think four is a very underrated, just a, just an underrated movie. I mean, it's, yeah, it's low budget and bad in a lot of ways, but it's, it, the suspense of it is, is pretty strong mm-hmm. and, you know, and it, and it evokes a lot of the original, um, I think more than people want to admit. And, um, but five is miserable and six is maybe even worse. <laughs> um, Paul Rudd, notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, H2O is a, I would call, I might call H2O a little bit overrated. I know you said you okay. love it, but I think it's yeah. for, you know, for me, again, you, you hit it on the head, calling it the scream of yeah. the, you know, of Halloween cross by scream mm-hmm. uh you know down to kevin williamson as, as the screenwriter and, yeah um it, it it was i mean it was fine i didn't i didn't dislike it but uh, i think it was you know for its time it was fine mm-hmm. but it it it's it still looks a movie of its time very much if you watch yeah. it today it looks very late 90s oh yeah um and then you know and then the the film that follows it is pretty miserable oh yeah um that's the one with Buster then, Rhymes, right? Resurrection, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> where he, where he, you know, he knows kung fu because he likes karate movies. So <laughs> yeah, it, you know, he can fight. He can karate, kung fu fight Michael Myers <laughs> in the next karate movie. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's certainly the the best of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you break it down into those those little segments, so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if we if I can give a, a trilogy a star ranking, mm-hmm. but um, it's yeah, I I heartily enjoyed it. It was it's a very pleasant surprise. So, nice. um, uh, and and I I will recommend them for for a while. It'll be fun to see uh, what kind of history calls it. You know how history looks at it. You know, ten or fifteen years down the road. I agree. I uh, my voice just cracked so bad, but I agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't even notice. It. <laughs> uh, Brent, how about you? I, I love Season of the Witch. That is my answer. <laughs> that is my rebuttal. Uh, no, I, I don't Tom really. Is I don't really have. I haven't seen enough of these movies to be able to mm-hmm. see. I can talking with you guys. I can see where this would be a trilogy that was laid out in a meaningful way and has purpose. And like I said, even though, quite frankly, I don't necessarily like these movies for for. For me, in terms of my tastes, I, I think that history will probably be kind to them. I, I do think mm-hmm. they're, at least now, like, there aren't things in it where I'm like, oh, that's really cheesy or yeah. whatever. Like, I, it's not. And they're, they, I think they they are built pretty well in, as movies in terms of, like, budget and all that. So, like, mm-hmm. I think, I think they'll. Uh, they'll, they'll age fine there. And, yeah, I think, I mean, history will probably maybe even... Um, you know, I, I think they'll they'll age much better even than some of the other ones. Um, yeah, it's just not necessarily my sort of thing. I, I've mm-hmm. seen a decent amount of slashers, but I don't. I haven't seen like you know four or five and six in this series yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, it's quite frankly, I mean, it's 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 a bit of a disposable sub subgenre for me. Mm-hmm. And to mm-hmm. say that um, these are kind of movies that I would watch on. AMC, like, you know, 31 days of Halloween or whatever. Um, and they'd kind of be on in the background. And in a way, it's kind of a pro and con because it's like, oh, it's kind of cool that I've seen bits and pieces of them, but it's also like because they're kind of 
has sort of taken for granted a little bit that mm-hmm. I don't maybe like sit down and watch them as often um, that I don't maybe value them as much as I, as I could. So that's yeah. kind of the, the, the kind of trade off there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely get the, the, the fan base. And uh, as far as I can tell, it seems like it's probably a, a pretty satisfying ending for, for people who are really into the series. Nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this trilogy. I really do. <laughs> so I think my affinity for it and my affection for it will grow as, uh, as I revisit it, um, in the future. Um, so that is our review of Halloween ends. We do plan on still doing VHS 99, but I just kind of want to do just a, we can just do a quick spoiler thing <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Maybe go like segment by segment and then, uh, and then call it a night. Does that work for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fun. All right, cool. So we are done talking about Halloween ends. Let us know what you thought and everything. Uh, now we're going to go into a spoiler review of VHS 99, which is currently streaming on Shudder. The premise is witness a hellish vision of 1999 as social isolation, <laughs> analog technology, and disturbing home videos fuse into a nightmare of found footage savagery. Um, that is frightening. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, I just my pants. <laughs> so we're gonna go we're gonna kind of touch on each segment but i'm gonna play a clip from the trailer just because i have it queued up so here's a clip from the trailer from vhs 99 and then we will be spoiling the latest in the found footage anthology series and welcome back this is a very special episode spend the night in a coffin Lily! Lily! The faster you breathe, the faster you use up your air, so you can't panic. So VHS 99 is the fifth entry in the VHS uh, franchise. I... Uh, we'll kind of go around and talk about our history with the franchise. Um, I'll kind of start with VHS when it came out in like what, 2012 or something. I was very excited about it. I went to a midnight screening at Keystone Art here in Indy and I saw it and it was one of the first like found footage movies that actually made me feel a little bit motion sickness. (laughs) Um, I was just kind of lukewarm on it. And then VHS 2 came out and I was I was more enamored with the idea of a of an anthology movie based in found footage storytelling that it was like this uh, maybe a yearly tradition. And then it went <laughs> into VHS viral, which I don't know if you guys saw it but is borderline unwatchable for me. <laughs> it's it is god awful. <laughs> Um, just, I have no idea what, I don't know. But anyway, uh, then last year, uh, they released uh, VHS 94, which I didn't get around to seeing last year, but I watched it, uh, before watching 99 and that movie was amazing. Like there's some really great segments in that. It was, it was fresh. It was like new. It, it felt like, they knew what they were doing and in the collection of segments were incredible. And then, yeah, I, I love that. And I was just excited that this franchise was rejuvenated. And now we have VHS 99 next year. We'll have VHS 85, which is going to be cool. Wow. 
Yeah, yep. And uh, yeah, so let's talk in spoilers about VHS 99. What did you guys think of the movie and uh, your thoughts on the franchise and everything up to this point? Um, Well, for me, I've only, I had only seen the first one. Oh, nice. Um, I really enjoyed the first one. I thought it was, um, you know, I thought there were a couple of like legitimately really scary entries in it. The, uh, you know, the, the vampire girl one, especially was the one that stands out in my memory. Um, And, you know, I, I remember watching, I, you know, and it's funny, I don't remember that much about it. I remember the, the grainy VHS look of it. I remember, you know, a couple of good scares, a couple of nice kind of low budgety gore effects that really kind of hit home. Um, and then, you know, but I didn't watch any of the others. And then I watched this one and I kind of just felt like it, it didn't, it felt like a retread of, of that mm. again, that first one, which I think I saw in 2013, um, it you know the the formula I, I saw the formula for sure you mm-hmm. know once once it gets going and the kind of the interesting thing i think about the first one especially was that it was the different filmmakers making it and mm-hmm. each one of them kind of felt different to an extent here you know the stories are different but it still is like a filmmaking template that yeah it, you know it's like it start it's like you know we we have the the tracking you know the the tracking fuzz it, you know and that <laughs> kind of happens every once in a while we get some weird, like, you know, it's a grainy kind of look. It looks like it's filmed on VHS. And, you know, there's like some douchebag kids who are doing something douchebaggy. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> you know, there's like, oh, here's a legend, you know, or, you know, here's a, here's a, a an urban legend. And, and then, you know, it turns out that urban legend is true. And it's in the <laughs> form of this like very like creepy monster that will at some point, like, be very close to the camera yeah. and show you, you know, the, the effects and there'll be a couple of like gore shots. And then now we go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I mean that as a criticism and, but also not, you know, there's, <laughs> there's something to be said for, for a couple of these entries. Um, you know, the, the template of it was distracting to me, but I, I, I felt like there were a couple of fun stories that, you know, some of them are, you know, of course, like the, the urban legend one, you know, the, the sorority one yeah, somehow felt pretty fresh. The, the one, my, the one, you know, the one that you guys, you know, pointed out as your favorite was the the one with the, the game show, the kid game mm-hmm. show, the Nickelodeon style show, which I ended up being disappointed at, mm-hmm. but just because I wanted it to be more, <laughs> I wanted, yeah. I wanted the first segment to be the macabre video game or the macabre game show. And then I wanted another segment that ended up kind of being the second half of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they had done it that way instead of making it just kind of cramming it into one segment. Yeah, me yeah, too. I, I think it would have been much more effective. I, I thought it was because, you know, I, again, I watched this with my daughter and and she, you know, she was like, the, you know, there's a scene where, uh, the, you know, the the girl like breaks her leg like yes. really, in a really gruesome way going through these obstacles. And um, my daughter was just like, well, how did that happen? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah. I kind of see how it happened, but it also seems a bit far fetched. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of that was just that they didn't do a good enough job of establishing the the safety protocols of that game show. Yeah. And it just ended up being too much, you know. Like I I I got what they were doing because I was a huge fan of Double Dare as a kid. Like Double Dare <laughs> and. and what was the other one we said was uh, Tales of Legends, Legends, Legends of Legends Temple. the Hidden Temple? Yeah, yeah. Which I, I never really watched it, but I, but I certainly like I was aware of it, and I, I got the visual vibe that they got, you know, that they took from that. And I, I don't know the the layout of the show, but 
you know, the the going through messy, gross obstacles and grabbing flags was, was the hallmark of Double Dare. Yeah. Um, you know, for many years. So, you know, that was more what I took from it. So it would have it was pretty cool to see, like, you know, the douchey game show host and you go through that whole <laughs> yeah. thing. But the you know, the kind of the revenge plot didn't really and and plus the coupled with the the climax and, and the ultimate resolution of of what the girls wish ended up being. You know, it it was it took a you know as they were like walking through the cave, I was kind mm-hmm. of just like, what if, what if her wish is, is like her mom is like more overbearing than we see, <laughs> and she just like kills everybody. I was like, what if that happens? And then mm-hmm. sure enough, like that's what she does at the end. And I'm like, well, okay, well sharp. that wasn't much sharp. You got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I, I would have loved to. It would have the the kind of dark comedy of it would have been played up a mm-hmm. little more if if they had just let it be a dark comedy and not try to yeah. worry about the scares part and, and just let it be, you know, let it be a, you know, a, a weird um, creep show sort of thing. Mm-hmm. If you guys are familiar with creep show, it's right. sort oh, of the eighties yeah. version of this. Oh yeah. Um, and, and there were some of them that were meant to be scary. And then some of them were just meant to be like one, there was a couple that were like kind of touching. And then there was one that mm-hmm. was just sort of, um, you know, was just kind of supposed to be darkly funny. And, and I think that's what this one was going for, but I think they also kind of got caught up in the, let's be gross and do horror stuff. And it yeah. could have just been more they, they could have done away with a lot of that. And the grotesque, like cave person and, and just had it like, you get this wish. And she's like, you know, I want my horrible family to die and everybody to die. <laughs> you know, like that would have been, it, it would have been a little more satisfying to me. So yeah. Um, I'm not I don't want to just go through the whole thing, but I'll, I'll stop there for now. And let you guys <laughs> chime in on something. Sure. Brent, how about you? Um, Your history. And yeah. Yeah, I saw the first VHS, I think in 2012. The second one came out like really pretty soon after. Yeah. I saw both of them. I, I like the first one quite a bit. Um, and if you go back and you look at that roster, you know, 10 years later, you have Ty West, David Bruckner, Joe yeah. Swanberg, Radio Silence, who mm-hmm. they've made, you know, like the Ready Ready or Not yeah. and the the yeah. uh, new Scream movie. Yeah. Five so, three. you know, like that's a pretty solid ca- or a class of you yeah. know, 2012 or whatever. So, yeah. so that's neat watching that all sort of come into fruition, play, pay off. Um, I like the first one quite a bit. Amateur Night, the um, the vampire one, which yeah. I believe is the one David Bruckner did, mm-hmm. was definitely the standout when we were talking about it the other night. I was like, oh, I yeah. haven't seen that movie in 10 years, but I remember <laughs> yeah. that sequence. Oh, that was yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the second one, apparently I did not like it. I rated it pretty low mm-hmm. on, uh, on Letterboxd. I have not seen it since, so I, I'd really have to, to go back and check. Didn't see uh, Viral or... Um, mm-hmm or 94 although i mm-hmm. i'm kind of interested based on uh how much you liked it map but yeah. uh yeah th- this one I, I i generally liked overall i would say ozzy's dungeon was by far my favorite uh mm-hmm. it was it was directed and uh, co-written by flying lotus who's a uh he's a he's kind of like thundercat in that he kind of he collaborates a lot like in he, he does um mainly like ele- electronic uh okay. like idm i guess i'd say but there's a lot of hip hop collaborations and things like that. He's mainly kind of a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought this was a really sort of demented send up on the on <laughs> things that you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Legends of the Hidden Temple, they even have down to the matching t shirts um, and Double Dare Guts a little bit, but really mainly mm-hmm. those two. But I liked it with the final punchline of the thing when you're in the cave being, oh, it's like Legends of the Hidden Temple, but 
no, Olmec is a real entity. Yeah. yeah. And like, no, he's really there trying to like satiate him. Mm-hmm. And no, like Shrine and the Silver Monkey isn't just like a thing. It's like <laughs> these are ancient artifacts and like you must appease him. And, you know, should you get through all this stuff, you, you will get your wish. You had mentioned that, Joe, actually. And actually, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about her really gruesome injury. I don't know. I shouldn't even really say this because I don't know if this is true, but I wonder if there were weird injuries like that, because it's almost oh, yeah. like Ozzy knew they were getting too close or something. We don't really know very much about the Ozzy creature oh, or whatever. that's interesting. Um, but like the idea that like, oh, she was going to win. And then like, she had to have this gruesome injury. Cause it is like, there's no way there's, sli- there's like a slip side. It's like yeah. how she like broke yeah. her leg in a r- ridiculously gruesome fashion. Plus the movie yeah. kind of intentionally just rewinds it and brings it back and rewinds it and brings it back and everything. It's very confusing and vague. Well, it's cause the, the mom is watching that right. tape. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But but regardless, who knows? I, that whole thing, I think, is a setup. What it actually reminded me of a little bit too was kind of the way, like uh, Panos, what's his name, the guy who did uh, Bandy in Colorado Space. Oh yeah, Panos Cosmatos like, or something. Cosma something. Cosmo Cosmopolitan. Um, <laughs> that it, the Cheddar Goblin commercial in Mandy. Where it's like a, it's a, this goofy oh, yeah. like thing where he's like, rah, 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 you know, like all this stuff. <laughs> That's what the like legends of the hidden temple sequence in this Aussie's dungeon like reminded me of like it's this okay. they're catching meat in their mouths it's like it's not yes. stuff that they're really doing mm-hmm. it's a it's of course an exaggerated version of it yeah um and then you have some of the uh phantasmagorical stuff at the end with uh, <laughs> the uh kind of lovecraftian i don't know the, the birth c-section whatever that thing yeah. is that grants the wish and yeah melts their faces <laughs> off um so all of that stuff I like the revenge stuff. I love her mom. Her mom was, mm-hmm. oh man, she has yeah. a lie about the Sahari Desert that I don't want to repeat on this podcast, but it was wonderful. <laughs> just, like the, just like the acting. Everyone felt like they were just like on the same page. Um, yeah. yeah. I like just one other, really, just like really small details. Like they're listening to free jazz when he's driving them to the set or mm-hmm. when, they're, when they're being driven to the set to go mm-hmm. back to this like ancient cave. And there's like listening to free jazz and it's just like, that yeah. is such a flying lotus touch. Like, I don't know anything about this director because this is the first time he's directed, but I was mm-hmm. just like, that's awesome. So um, <laughs> that one just totally fired on all cylinders for me personally. Nice. The other four I liked, I liked the touches of um, mm-hmm. things, how they tried to implement 1999 specifically. Yeah. Uh, the Gawker sequence mm-hmm. uh, invokes American Pie very oh, yeah. specifically. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of um, this kind of in the first sequence called shredding, mm-hmm. uh, which refers to like this rock band. That's the thing, but also like skateboarding because they mm-hmm. do all these like fisheye lens shots. It's very CKNY, very mm-hmm. uh, jackass. So like it really honed in on that very well. The music actually, I thought in the first sequence, they did a better job with that than they really quite frankly needed to. Yeah. Like the band, the, the um, rack and then the uh, bitch cat. Bitch cat, right? Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> yeah, pussy something, but yeah. Anyway, regardless, mm-hmm. that that band, like their music, actually is uh, is pretty good. Like for mm-hmm. for what really is even needed for this movie. Um, yes. So I like those sort of touches. At one point, I think this is in Gawker's as well. Um, someone says, "What do you like?" Or no, this is in the fifth one, the the, mm-hmm. the hell one. To hell it's, and back. Uh, they mention yeah. um, Qui Gon and Pokemon oh, yeah. back to back, and it's like that seems yeah. like oh, those are known things. But Phantom Menace came out in 99 and yeah. Pokemon was 
again, like it seems like, oh, Pokemon's a cultural phenomenon. Yes, it is. But in 99, yeah. I was really. So again, I just like those sort of details. I know that doesn't ne- yeah. those things don't necessarily matter to the to the overall thing. Um, yeah. But I thought that was neat. Other than that, um, I thought the fifth one was pretty weak. I just I went to a mm-hmm. haunted house about two weeks ago. It was in Kentucky or about a week ago. Uh, it was quite scary. But that fifth one reminded me of especially the actor the actress that played mabel mm-hmm, she yes. seemed like she was an actress at like a haunted house where she's like come with me she you know, really like, did i was yeah. like this is terrible acting here. yeah uh yeah. so that was just sort of unconvincing but i liked the prop work like you'd like yeah. in a haunted house where it's like oh here's this goopy thing let's shine a light on it for a <laughs> yeah. second so i yeah. liked it that degree i liked the sorority i think i generally mm-hmm. liked them well enough they were all, yeah. the other four were just roughly about take it or leave it overall for me but Interesting. Uh, ozzy's dungeon i think is is worth yeah. uh, seeing it overall, yeah so. see yeah. the interesting thing is like ozzy's dungeon worked for me quite a bit um until the revenge plot came into play and then i just kind mm. of i kind of dazed out of it a little bit um yeah. But my um, honestly, my that wasn't my favorite one. My favorite one was weirdly enough, it was Suicide Bid, the the soror- sorority, sorority one, one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. because that felt like that felt like such a campfire story, which I know isn't what mm-hmm. VHS the franchise is all about at all. But it felt like this campfire story, this urban legend thing, and when it got to the point where. Uh, where the monster came like up until that point i was like i don't need a creature effect in this i don't need a supernatural thing like this is scary and horrifying enough to be Mm -hmm. something on its own and then we get the you know standard like monster creature effect and everything and it's cool it's fine but really up until that point i was like i was in it i was in it and that like that didn't even let me down or anything i just felt like this was this was a one of probably one of the best segments uh narratively speaking that i've seen in in one of these movies um and yeah and and uh the gawkers i i loved that for the american pie-esque kind of shenanigans and i did Mm. not expect it to turn into a uh is a medusa uh yeah or morgan yeah yeah like i I I could not I could I I could not have fathomed it would go that route, um, and then when it did, I was just like, oh, this is this is pretty awesome. This is pretty this is satisfying to me. Um, yeah. yeah, and then uh, shredding into hell and back. Those two, I eh, I I was shredding. I felt took way too long to get to the scare stuff. Like it felt mm-hmm. like it was yeah. all build up, and then once we got to it it like that one character i think it was caleb yeah caleb the one that was like the most obnoxious of them and everything i'm like okay he's he's really overbearing he's really annoying i'm so excited to see him get killed (laughs) (laughs) and like it's just a quick flash on the screen and you get nothing really that that good with it i'm just like okay that's that's fine um and then to helen back i like the concept of it i wasn't expecting the kind of the friendship storyline i thought that was a very sweet kind of uh Mm -hmm. a sweet storyline to go down um but it was fine yeah i I will say vhs 94 honestly blows this out of the water for me because it was just it was so good um yeah i mean i'm i'm interested to see that 
given that I hadn't. Mm. Yeah, I'd spent a lot of time away from this this sort of series. So yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to go back and see that, and apparently to not see viral. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because my uh, back was probably my favorite one. Oh, nice. Um, oh, okay. It, even it, although I will say, although I found the the two main characters to be. In, insufferable yeah and, you know <laughs> just just the way that they were like like you know even that mabel character is just like dude shut the hell up yeah. like shut up uh, like yeah. you're gonna <laughs> die if you yep. don't shut up now um but i i but it, yeah it was the concept it was just it was a it was very goofy mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't take itself too seriously it had just enough in terms of scares for me like there were just a couple of it was again it was that same thing of just like demon looking characters popping out yeah and i thought that i thought the effects were really good like the what the yeah. first demon they see like it was really detailed with you know like it had like the wings or something and mm-hmm. it was just like they that's the the one cool thing about about the series is that they have you know as much as i you know was criticizing it earlier they have you know on a budget pretty good creature effects and, oh yeah um, and there was literally, you know, there was the only time I even recognized CGI, I think, was in the, the Gawkers one with with the snake, you know, the Gorgon. Character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But um, I, I don't even know that there was any more, even any more CG in it mm-hmm. at all. But um, I, yeah, I, I just I loved the that that dark humor of, of to Helen back where, you know, mm-hmm. they, they they literally go through hell to get back to earth and then they're like reborn and then they're just immediately killed. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish they would have just like both woken back up in hell Mm -hmm. again and just been like, yeah, (laughs) we're here again, but we're buddies again. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't lose a lesson. (laughs) 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 I I did enjoy the suicide bid one. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the shredding one for me was just, just throw away i i yeah. couldn't stand any of the characters mm-hmm. um you know even i mean they all of the characters pretty much are insufferable on one level or another mm-hmm. are just you know they're they're completely douchey you know in, in so many different ways but the shredding for some reason it was uh it felt worse than the others and um in suicide yeah. bid there was at least at least the the, the protagonist of the piece that was um likable to some degree at least so yeah um Absolutely. Yeah, and, she was and, good and, too. I mean, that it's that whole thing of like uh Ryan Reynolds and buried, you know, where it's like it's oh, a lot yeah. of it is yeah. not well, I mean, a lot of the segment mm-hmm. uh is kind of her, you know, kind of acting by herself and yeah. with spiders. Yeah. Uh and a yeah. really pretty gnarly creature in that one as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, the spider is cool, but when it's like right up against the cross yeah. uh glass thing, yeah. like that was yeah, neat. So the yeah, the spiders no, in that segment just fucked me up. I like I was not expecting that, and I was just again that played into just the cruel of that prank and everything and and the sadness of her character Uh, like i just i was just i was really impressed with that and it just it skeeved me out so bad it was it was bad yeah um yeah um one thing that this movie does that i think is a very very smart departure for this franchise is that it doesn't have a conventional framing story um it's just the collection of vhs you know, videos and everything mm-hmm. that's all tied together with the Gawkers video tape, uh, yeah. with the goofy, you know, uh, toy soldiers and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. that, it, that I felt was just such a relief because as much as I really, really enjoyed VHS 94, the frame story of that is God awful. Just it's not, <laughs> it's not VHS viral bad, but it's like, it's, it's, <laughs> 
it's silly. It's it's basically a SWAT team going into this building, and then they find this gr- like these gruesome scenes, and then each room they go into has like videos, and then it just plays the videos and they watch yeah. it. It's just kind of it's it's dumb. I feel like that's the same from the first two. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> I much, can't, I can't remember. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so loser this one, yeah. So that's yeah. That's I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, and I and I did kind of enjoy that as as ridiculous as they were and and there were times where i was like let's just get to the next one you know like, yeah. come on but um but it, it was kind of a cutesy little like interlude for a couple of seconds of the, yeah. you know the, this kind of gruesome uh toy soldier game where they're just like yeah being dismembered and there's just like the blood coming out everywhere it was just kind of yeah. well the idea it, is that those segments are like being taped over with these stories yes. right yeah. like that was yeah. the idea that like he had just yeah. done these screwing around with his brother's camera mm-hmm. these like mm-hmm. stupid little uh, army men thing and then <laughs> these stories are like th- that i kind of like too i mean that's kind of in here and all this vhs stuff but like mm-hmm. the idea that like that's how you would record stuff of course you know so you tape stuff yeah uh you yeah. know back then so uh so that's yeah a fun little detail and yeah i, I i'm fine with no big framing story yeah. i think uh, sometimes these anthology movies really are uh, beholden to them in, in yeah. ways that are really not great. I really like the frame story from Tales from the Hood. I wasn't joking about that. I do really <laughs> like that. That overall, actually, it's a pretty good movie overall. But like the I've never what seen ends it. up being with it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never <laughs> seen that one either. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's better than VHS viral. <laughs> nice. There you go. Very <laughs> Which nice. <I> seen. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anything else we have to talk about with VHS 99? I don't want to take up too much more of you guys' time. You guys have been yeah, uh, very gracious with your time this evening. Um, oh, well, thanks. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I would just kind of say this, this sort of is what it is. And if you're familiar with the other ones, it, you know, to the extent that, that you're interested in seeing it, go ahead and watch it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not a waste of time. I wouldn't call it a waste of time by any means. Um, you know, I, I found a moderate amount of enjoyment out of probably a moderate amount, at least uh, as a whole. And, there, you know, a couple of bits that, you know, I thought were kind of outwardly fun. And like I said, the Aussie's dungeon one, I just, it was, it felt like a missed opportunity to me that to do something like really cool and memorable. Um, and it, it did something sort of fun, um, and different, but, um, it could have been very memorable and, and, uh, sort of like something to me that, that I would be telling people about as an individual story, like, Oh my God, you got to see this, uh, yeah. you know, as a fan of that sort of thing from, you know, from years gone by. Yeah, I think these anthology movies, especially this being on Shutter slash mm-hmm. AMC Plus. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I God, I don't want to sound like you know the kids these days and what they're into and invoke <laughs> and invoke Quibi, club, you know, and, and, and invoke mm-hmm. Quibi. But uh, I think that having sort of bite size, uh, you know, if you will, you know, sort of candies, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for like, I think that's why these uh anthology films tend to work and yeah again i think that having this like on a streamer um you know this and uh and uh the one you just said 94 uh vhs mm-hmm. 94 and 99 uh i think it's a good opportunity for people to check some stuff out and again like maybe you won't vibe with every uh story but you know if you like a few of them uh you know if you watch a couple of them you like a few of them, then uh you know hopefully you'll, you'll get something out of them and that'll be pretty cool yeah absolutely yeah, and uh, to kind of talk about VHS 85 real quick, it is coming in 2023. Um, the lineup of directors are David Bruckner, uh, cool. who's the only legacy director. 
Uh, Scott Derrickson, interesting. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. Gigi Saul Guerrero, not sure who that is. Uh, Natasha Kermani and Mike P. Nelson. Um, so let's see. Who are these people? Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott uh, Derrickson, I mean, you, you know, I, I like the black phone, I, I love mm-hmm. Sinister. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's uh, of course, he did the first Doctor Strange movie. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'll, I'll be interested certainly to see, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what, what he'll do. Uh, yeah, Dave Reckner is, uh, and he, he's just did the recent Hellraiser, Hellraiser. movie, my, my first, uh, my first Hellraiser movie, but, uh, uh The Night House, <laughs> which I think is a, is a really wonderful movie. Oh, from, The Night uh, House was excellent. Uh, uh, a couple, a couple years ago. And, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I haven't yeah. heard, I can't, I don't know of any of those other directors off the top of my head, but, uh, yeah, yeah me neither. um yeah so any parting thoughts or should we start wrapping up guys let's go all (laughs) righty well uh, joe's getting sleepy talking to you guys (laughs) all righty well uh once again halloween ends is in theaters and on peacock and vhs 99 and vhs 94 are both on shutter and i believe that the rest of the vhs movies are on hulu i think um, yes, I think I looked that up last night. Nice. I'm pretty sure that's right. Nice. Uh, so go check all of that out. And before we go, first of all, thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode of The Obsessive yeah, Viewers. Of course, thank you. Yeah. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you guys online and your work and everything. Of course, I'll put links to all this in the show notes and uh, all that. But just for the listeners, where can we find you guys online? Yeah, get yeah. Grab me on Facebook. Grab me on Letterboxd. Um, in and check out my work, Midwest Film Journal, Medium Cool, a movie podcast. Um, wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, hopefully on the same platform as this one, maybe if if you're into <laughs> such thing. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, that's about it. Uh, I don't know. Come knock on my door. <laughs> <laughs> come on, knock on his door. Text me. <laughs> oh, go, go to trick or treat at his nice. house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Show up with the Groucho Marx class. I'm not going to tell you my address, but if you can uh, find it, more power to you. Uh, I'll post his address on my Twitter. Um, nice. No, uh, yeah, awakenthedark.com. Wake in the dark, not in. Like, uh, anyway. um, that's my, like, everything's on there, um, including reprints of the Midwest Film Journal articles that I'll have up and nice. uh, weekly reviews, podcasts, whenever I feel like doing them (laughs) (laughs) we are going to be doing uh black adam nice episode we're recording that tomorrow so nice um that'll be up soon but uh yep that's me awesome well thank you guys once again and for the listeners of course you guys can find me anywhere like obsessive viewer anywhere my other shows anthology and tower junkies as well and once again just check out the patreon please uh daddy needs money no um <laughs> i, I some money immediately sake. regret saying that but patreon.com slash obsessive viewer there is literally hundreds and hundreds of audio recordings on there that's it's ridiculous so i'm gonna start playing us out uh joe brent thank you guys so much for joining me uh and let us all know what you guys thought of vhs 99 and halloween ends um not sure what we're gonna do in the next episode but uh stay tuned i guess (laughs) and check out anthology and tower junkies uh yeah so without further ado uh, thank you guys for listening and i'll see you in the next episode 
And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV, book, and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Screwing all of this stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about that because that was so frustrating. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because it's <sighs> the DJ, the radio DJ had a in his studio in the one or two scenes in there he had an electro voice re20 which i will say is the exact same microphone that i'm talking into now i'm talking into did it correctly what was that did you purposely make sure you're using that one for the i, I honestly i did um <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah but to demonstrate the way that the mic is set up in that scene is it is vertical and it's like it's supposed like it's it's vertical as if it's a side address microphone it's not it's a front address microphone i'm talking into the end of it now to demonstrate if i were to talk into it the way that he was talking into it this is how it would sound Hi, I am a character in Halloween Ends that does not know how to use a freaking microphone because I'm recording into the side of it or the top of it when I should be recording into the front of it. This is how it would sound. Sounds real nice. I know, right? You were being sarcastic, sounds right? Sounds great. No, no. Yeah. Um, Please don't break up with me. No, 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 no. But it's funny because I I was thinking about that because like I'm mostly I'm mostly being facetious about it because you know who cares. But also it's just so awkward and it's frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com/slash/podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.